back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 319. And we got a doozy for you. We're going to be dropping that knowledge, giving you that FF goo. And this show we're calling Accrue FF Points in Week 2. And I got across the interwebs. Um, are my boys, we're doing this remotely again. Next week, I think we'll get together. Um, but all of us got a lot on our plate. To the left coast of me, I have Houdini. To the behind coast of me, I've got Stag Party. I'm D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. And as we know, one week is in the books. We're on to week two. Time flies. In a blink of an eye, it'll be week ten. And um, we're just going to go through these matchups. Basically, um, I'll say hi to you guys in a minute. But just if you're following at home on NFL.com, go to uh, schedule, go to week two. And we go from the Thursday night game at the top all the way down. So that's the order to follow us on if you're there. Houdini, what's going on, brother? Hey, it's, uh, it's great to have football back. Uh, you know, as a Bear fan, we had an, an amazing first half of football. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Second half didn't happen. We're on to Seattle. <laughs> uh, I'll say something quickly about that, and then we'll say hi to you, Stag Party. I did a money line. I haven't. I swear to God, I've not gambled on football in twelve years. I mean, I do fantasy football, DFS, sure, but like purely betting on football, it's twelve, maybe fifteen years. I just don't have fun when I do it. It's not look the makeup I've got. I go and I met my buddy for some beers. He's like, so what do you think about the Bears tonight? I'm like, I think we're going to roll them. He's like, I do too. He, and he's better. And I, he's like, I think we're going to roll them. He's like, dude, money line. Let's do it. You throw in 100, I throw in 100. And I don't, I, I'm pretty sure the number was insane on what we were going to pay. It's going to be like, we were each going to get 250 on the money line. Um, so halfway, halftime, doing fist uh, high fives over text. I was home at this point. All fired up, like, go Bears, go Bears. And uh, as we know how that turned out. So went from being like, God, why don't I gamble more often at half to right back to I am not gambling for another 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) Just when it becomes legal, the perfect time to quit. So stressful. How are you doing, um, Stag Party? Good. It's been football all weekend. There's nothing to complain about. Get to watch all the games, you know, check in on the red zone, interspruce some Twitter nuggets. And then, like, everybody's like, oh, my God, it's Christmas. You know, football's back. I've really been waiting for today. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's New Year's Eve, boys. Let's do some fucking stat crunching. Let's look at some numbers. Let's get down to some data. Let's get crunk on some uh, some crunk on some analytics. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, you are, buddy. Uh, I'm checking out some of your party favors. Um, give everyone – I'll give it – check out. Make sure you're, if you're not already – um, we talk the Gospels of Twitter uh, often, but check out um, uh, Stags at Pyrostag. That's at P-Y-R-O-S-T-A-G. Uh, pretty ballsy, awesome account there. Got some exciting things happening. I'm pretty sure it's going to get on the site this week. If not, I'm going to fly to Indy and start smacking some heads around. Um, but we will be having uh, the Twitter handles for, I think, seven or eight of our Pyro peeps um, happening in real time on the homepage of Pyro. Uh, it should, he said it was pretty much done, so it should be happening here in the next day or so. Uh, so we're excited about that little feature. Um, it'll replace the news feeds 
um, for the Pyro Free, and then we will have news feeds for on Pyro, for the Pyro Pro people will still happen. But I've kind of been directing people just to fire up tons of uh, tweets and you know retweets and all that good stuff. But uh, Stag's account is awesome. The, the party favors are sweet. Before we get into the first game. Uh, I just want to do a little read uh, from a sponsor that we've got going on this fall. And uh, here you go. So, want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to squadql.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy uh, lineup optimizer, trusted by 100,000 DFS players. I've used it. You can also go download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. Note. Uh, that's a note for me. That's it. Go to SquadQL. Make it happen. Um, you've been hearing them around. They're promoting their product a lot, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. So check it out. Use it or lose it. Hopefully, maybe it can make you get make the right pickup, make right lineup uh, change, or whatever you need to do to get the leg up on your competition. All right, fellas. Thursday night's game. A little short turnaround here. Um, this Thursday, two nights from tonight, the Ravens are going to be at the Bengals. Um, obviously, you know, we like to start off with the uh, visiting team. I'll just throw one quick thing out. The, the Ravens throwing up some serious points the other night. Um, can they keep that up? The Bengals did put up some points themselves. Uh, this matchup looks like it could be, uh, could be a high-scoring affair. Um, Houdini, what are your thoughts on what you saw from uh, the Ravens' side of the ball last week or expectations for this week going up against Cincinnati? Yeah, so I, I think that uh, I, I don't want to put my my head over my skis here, thinking that Baltimore all of a sudden is a vaunted offense because they put up so many points against Buffalo. Uh, um, you know, it was a nice game for Flacco, but I mean, let, let's look inside the numbers and just uh, stay in, into the realm of, of what really is going on. So he had a great game for him with a 121 quarterback rating, completing 25 of 34, but only for 236 yards. Granted, he did throw three touchdowns. So the good news there is they have three new wide receivers. Each one of them caught a touchdown. So John Brown, Willie Sneed, Michael Crabtree. But none of them as a receiver had more than 50, 49 yards. They were all under 50 yards. Now, the other thing I think that's interesting um, looking at Baltimore is what's going to be the going on in the running game. All of a sudden, Alex Collins, uh, he had a fumble in the game. He had seven carries for 13 yards. And in a score, his longest run was for eight yards, which means his other six carries went for five. So you look at that, and then we saw Kenneth Dixon come in, and Dixon was a much better runner, uh, 13 carries for 44 yards and a score. Um, 
you know, I, I think when we looked at what was going on with Cincinnati and how they're going to match up against them, I mean, they, these guys uh, see each other a bunch as uh, a division rival. Um, and I think that I, I, I think it's not going to be as much of an easy game for Flacco and these Ravens as it was uh, against Buffalo. And I, I just I kind of think that, you know, Flacco may be throwing around the same 230, 225, 30 yards. Uh, but this could be one of those with maybe two touchdowns, two, two picks. I came up with I came across a crazy stat um, over the past day or so I'm preparing for the show that at Paul Brown Stadium, Flacco in 19 games has only 19 touchdowns. And over that time, he's got 23 interceptions. Flacco does not play well against the Bengals uh, in Cincinnati. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. The expectations for me are for him to go back to Flacco-esque play um, if those are the numbers. 19 games, 19 touchdowns, that's brutal. Stag Party, what are your expectations from any uh, Ravens offensive guys? Um, And when you're done throwing that down, feel free to jump over to the Bengals side. Well... Uh, with Baltimore, you're looking at a team that played incredibly well. They had great field position all game. Um, but you've seen these two teams battle in these divisional Thursday night contests, and, and it's usually a lot uglier football. Uh, these guys see each other a lot. They know each other's tendencies. So I'm not expecting big offensive explosions on either side. Uh, it, it does look like a guy like John Brown is probably well cemented there. They were going into him early and often. Um, so he looks like a, a real receiver that you want in sort of a flex consideration a lot of weeks. You know, Crabtree is still that guy in the red zone. You know, we saw a little bit uh, from the rookie tight end, Mark Andrews. Uh, and he's, you know, with the sort of already big injuries to tight ends, He's a guy who deeper in leagues is going to have some consideration, uh, especially sort of against the Bengals that were, you know, just gave up 10 targets to Jack Doyle, gave up a touchdown to Eric Ebron. So it, it's a way a lot of teams are probably going to attack the Bengals this year. Uh, as for Flacco, uh, he's more of a two QB consideration than a one QB streamer. Uh, for me this week uh, and then looking at you know Alex Collins I don't think there's a better time to send a message about fumbling than in a game where you're up you know 21 to 28 points early in that game there's no better time to sort of set a standard it's like well if you're gonna fumble we're gonna take you out uh, interesting to note you know Kenneth Dixon's already been held out of the lineup uh, with an injury in practice today uh, so that's something we're going to have to monitor as the week goes on because if if it's him and uh, Buck Javorius Allen, it's going to be a little bit more of a cleaner, uh, streamlined running back core. But I do think it was just a punishment, and I'm holding Alex Collins until I see more. Uh, flipping over to the other side, going to the Bengals, you know, these guys, they played well on offense. They didn't run you know, we've been talking about him all offseason as a team that's likely to have a jump back in plays. That did not happen in week one, running just 50 plays. Uh, but they they got a comfortable lead, and then the Colts sort of just ran a high-volume, short-passing game attack, uh, and it sort of limited their play opportunities. But you saw the big play strike from A.J. Green, uh, and that was a connection that seemed to be missing more often than not last year. Uh, AJ did have a couple big plays, also had a fumble, but 
you know, he looks fine, locked in. You know, still no Jimmy Smith under that PED suspension. Um, so that that looks like a good spot for him. Uh, you know, Mixon looks locked into an RB1 role where he's going to get a lot of work. Uh, really no concerns with him, especially in a Thursday night game on a short week. Maybe they do mix in a little bit more Gio Bernard um, because it's a short week, but Mixon's going to get fed early and often in both the pass game and the receiving game. And, and, you know, what we saw out of John Ross is in the red zone, this guy's a difference maker, and he can score touchdowns in short areas, and that's something you got to be excited by uh, because he's such a dynamic and speed threat. He can open up a, a defense down there. Yeah, and I'll say this. I'd say Andy Dalton is one of those those guys that's on the waiver wire, and I think you have to be encouraged by a lot of things that you see out there for him as like a great streaming candidate or as a, as a guy to grab in deeper leagues. You know, Joe Mixon and the running attack last year was anemic. It, it really did not show. It didn't take any pressure off of uh, of Dalton in any way. And I think that what Mixon was able to do uh, both as a rusher and as a receiver last week, um, and basically, you know, he had every carry except for uh, three, two by Dalton and one by Gio Bernard. So he is that lead back. And, and if he's running effectively, now it opens up. Uh, where you can go play action. You have a healthy Tyler Eifert out there. That's helping him as well. Um, you know, again, the emergence of John Ross. So I, I think I like all the things where if I'm looking at where the trend is for where these Bengals are going, maybe it just takes Marvin Lewis eight years to finally get it right. I don't know. But, you know, or is it more? Has he been there for 10? I don't know. <laughs> so, 15 now. Something crazy. <laughs> but I, I like this a lot for A.J. Green. If you can get defenses to start having to pay attention to the running attack, and then you can see when the running attack worked, what did Dalton do? He, he completed uh, 75% of his passes. So going against the, the Ravens, Ravens are a much tougher defense, let's be honest, than the Colts are. Uh, but at the same time, um, they they do have abilities to be taken advantage of. And, and you know, whether that's going to be Eifert this game or – and I don't know that this is going to be as big of a game for Mixon. I, I definitely would temper your expectations for uh, – and I am a Mixon owner, but so I'm I'm expecting it not to be a uh, uh, the type of performance that we had this last week. But, you know, if he can put together all-purpose 95 to 100 yards and, uh, and maybe score a touchdown, it, it's still a good week. Is Eifert, he played 50% of the snaps in week one. Is he a guy that's going to uh, incrementally in each week start seeing a little bit more? Or is this kind of the way um, his – are they going to snap count him all season just because uh, they don't want to have him get injured again? I do think they're going to snap count him a little bit, but it's not going to be as drastic as this game where, you know, Joe Mixon's running really, really well, so why not keep Tyler Croft in the game, uh, you know, as the better blocker? So, you know, when the game script favors the pass game a little bit more, he's going to be more involved. He'll be on the field for more and more snaps. But, you know, as we talked about, he's probably not going to be a guy who's in the 85 to 100 snap, uh, 100% snap range this year. He's going to be more in the uh, 60 to 75% range. Cool. Nice work, fellas. Let's get on to the first game on Sunday. Um, that's going to be the Panthers visiting the Falcons, uh, obviously the, the Falcons are coming off a, 
what seemed to be a mirror of their uh, playoff game last year. Julio Jones went off, got ballistic from right out of the gates. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with the Panther side, but there's some crazy Julio's done very well against uh, the Panthers many times. So Panther side of the ball, um, you know, the sad news and the bummer, and maybe this is a good segue for you, Deanie, um, broke, uh, Olsen rebroke his foot. Uh, I guess he stepped on a foot, so it wasn't a cut or anything unnatural. Um, he stepped on a foot and it rebroke his injured foot. Uh, who are you looking to? Uh, is there anyone? Is that Ian Thomas? Is he worth a, a pickup? Does he know the playbook enough? Is he talented enough? I'm not saying he's just going to like be plug and play it in and be you know Olsen reincarnated, but there was a number of big injuries and I think a number of uh, disappointing performances for some of the tight ends out there. Uh, is Ian Thomas, uh, you first, Houdini, and then if you want to chime in, Stags, is he, is he worth a roster spot in a deeper league or anything like that? I, I think he, absolutely. I mean, he's going to get his opportunities now. Look, the, he's a rookie. He was, a, I believe, a fourth-round pick. Um, you know, so he goes out in his first game. It, granted, he, he catches for four yards, but he got two targeted twice. He caught both of the balls. Uh, the things that they like about him is that, you know, he he brings a little bit some of the different things, uh, a little bit more uh, speed and stuff that maybe Olsen has. You know, the problem is going to be for him is is always is blocking, you know. Um, so how much he's able to pick up. I mean, think of it this way. If you were a person that was out there last year when Olsen went down and you thought that you needed to invest in Ed Dixon, this guy has a lot more skill sets than Ed Dixon does. So, you know, the, the thing is, is how quickly is he going to be able to pick it up? Because obviously they did not anticipate him having to have this type of a workload after the first week of the season. Yeah. In, in my opinion, it really just redistributes a lot of targets. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be a heavy tight end targeting team without, you know, Greg Olson on the team and Ed Dixon now in Seattle. You, you're not going to rely on a young guy like that. You'd rather use more explosive skill players in my position. The, the guy's got some athleticism. He's got some juice. He's got some size, uh, but he's a raw prospect. And that's why he went in the fourth round of the draft because he not, needs time to develop. So, I'm expecting them to redistribute these targets. Like there's going to be a lot more passes to Christian McCaffrey because of it. Uh, you know, DJ Moore, a guy who wasn't super involved in the offense last week, is going to become more and more involved in the offense. Um, Curtis Samuel, who was a uh, game day inactive, you know, once he gets back healthy, these guys are all going to be more and more involved, uh, and it's going to flow through the wide receivers and running backs a little bit more than the tight ends. So. You know, overall, it improves the outlook, and you look at how it uh, affects Cam Newton, and I don't think you could write it off as anything like this is a giant loss for him. He did lose a safety blanket, and if you look at the splits, he does have, uh, you know, more prone to interceptions with Greg Olson off the field last year, but everything else sort of trended up in the right way. And maybe it's because they needed to throw a little bit more because he threw a little bit too many interceptions. Well, let's see if North Turner could change that because we know he likes to sometimes spread it out with his wide receivers and let a guy, you know, throw it and attack the field deep. 
Yeah, the one thing that concerns me, though, is that now you add Ian Thomas to uh, to DJ Moore. Those are two rookies. Uh, you got, uh, you know, what, McCaffrey in his second year. You got uh, Curtis Samuel in his second year, which is basically in his first year because he's, he missed most of the entire year. I, I worry just for Cam. So this is one of those ones where I think I, I agree with you in the redistribution, but it's also one of those things where I think it hurts Cam. Or or it's going to either, either that or he's going to maybe have to start using – his legs even more than he than he has been. I mean, and he, and he ran the ball uh, almost as many times as he threw the ball last week. So um, I think that's kind of where I, I think more of his points are going to come this year, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, and, and and also probably in this game. Yeah, and we talk about this game. The Falcons did you know today place Deion Jones on injured reserve to go along with Keanu Neal. So that's a big impact loss. And you look at how they're going to attack uh, the Falcons. You know, Christian McCaffrey's got to be heavily involved in this game plan when you've got sort of your rangy uh, off-ball linebacker out of the lineup. And they're going to be losing a lot of speed on the defensive uh, backfield and defensive uh, linebacking core, you know, through the loss of these two guys. So this would have been a great matchup for Greg Olson. Um, would he have been in the lineup? But now, you know, I think you're riding off that tight end until we see a lot more. So, you know, this week I think it's going to be Christian McCaffrey, and then he's going to go back to a guy who looks like old reliable now is Devin Funchess, uh, who, who you look at games without Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson, his target share, you know, sort of explodes. So those are guys who are all going to be in line to catch more passes because the injuries the Falcons have on defense as well. Yeah, and uh, Curtis Samuel underwent a uh, quote-unquote small procedure on his heart for an irregular heartbeat, um, which never sounds good to me when you're dealing with the heart. But he's who knows when he's coming back. Uh, so, goddamn, week one, uh, they're already they're already struggling and, and coming out fighting. So you look at a guy like DJ Moore, he's going to have to learn and, and earn his uh, medal at that first-round pick earlier than anybody uh, – it probably anticipates him being able to do so. So I think he had zero targets. Uh, didn't he, he might have been? Did he have one zero targets? I read something like maybe even he only had like one snap. I don't know. I, I, read that, um, uh, I was like, really? What's what's going on there? Uh, I might be botching that. I'm not looking at. He's playing behind Jarius Wright, uh, but Jarius Wright's a guy who knows the system from working with Nor- Norv Turner in Minnesota. Shrubs. Um, by the way, guys, I don't know if you guys are throwing back any Valverde's tonight, but I'm drinking the friggin' best beer in the world right now. Hubbard's Cave, fresh IPA. This thing was canned on the 5th of June. It's uh, made out by by Golf Mill. I don't know, Houdini, if you're ever out shopping with the, the old wifey and you go to um, – it's made by this place, Hubbard's Cave, which is a, a subgroup of Unai. You ever heard of that brewery? Unai Ane Brewery? You've seen, I know you've seen their uh, bottles, but this thing is one of the greatest looking and tasting beers I've ever had. So, you drinking anything today, buddy? No, I'm, 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 uh, I'm keeping it sober tonight. Nice work. I'm the only, I'm the only Valverde schmuck tonight. Um, I'm doing a, uh, cleaning out a few of these nice kind beers, and then I got some Becks. <laughs> Becks? Becks. German Becks. All right, cool. Um, what else do you got to say? Anything else you want to talk about about the Panthers' side of the ball, fellas? 
Now, I think we're all good on the Panthers. We could flip over here to the uh, Atlanta Falcons, and, and we talk about those injuries on defense. Uh, you've got to start upticking these Falcons players. They're going to have to play a little bit faster and score some more points to be able to win ball games. So if you're looking at the uh, the production of these guys, you know, unfortunately you're a little bit excited because maybe if you were a fan of the team, you're like, oh, I lose all these guys on defense. But as a fantasy owner – you know, that defense is, you know, a little bit worse. These guys are going to need to score points, and that brings fantasy points. And we know Julio's, you know, own the Panthers. They play that sort of, you know, deep zone coverage that Julio's able to get in uh, in front of and behind. He's had, his, he's had what, a couple 200-yard games against the Panthers or at least one and multiple 100-plus uh, yard games. Uh, the rest of the weapons, though, you know, Devonta Freeman left that game early last Thursday night with an injury. We've got to see how he starts to trend in the week. But if he's somehow held out here, uh, you know, Tevin Coleman will be in line for a big, big workload. Uh, it may even be in line for increased snaps because of, you know, you know Freeman being a little bit banged up. Uh, they, they just need to do a lot of different things on offense. We saw some real struggles in the red zone. But – they were able to move the ball up and down the field on a tough Eagles defense. Uh, the question is, is there anybody else in the secondary passing game? Is there a Mohamed Sanu, uh, you know, uh, Gabriel, um, Austin Hooper, any of these guys that are going to step up as secondary pass catchers? I was shocked to see that Freeman had 56% of the snap count last, uh, uh, last Thursday, and Coleman was at 51. And I agree with you. It seemed like they kept on using Freeman, and obviously we know the, the play-calling woes for uh, Sarkeesian, but it looked like to me that, that Coleman was faster and making things happen better. So I'm, I'm down with your program. I think Coleman, they, they're going to have to give him an uptick on touches this week and just see what, they, what they're working with. Because right now, the Freeman kind of uh, one-dimensional uh, back aspect with that, with the rest of the players they've got in that offensive attack, it just seems like it kind of felt like when the thing you, you guys have always complained about with like Adrian Peterson, it's like, you know what you're doing, you know where it's going when he's out there. Um, and I felt like they, that it was just a more dynamic offense when they were at Coleman and they were moving him out. So um, just a quick self edit, yeah. uh, Ridley, not Gabriel, uh, in, in terms of the wide receiver core. Uh, and that's a guy who, you know, really showed nothing. Zero, uh, zero targets. First round. Yeah. You know, here's the other thing too. I, I think you can you can pretty much I would say bank on Tevin Coleman having a much bigger role uh, in this game. Yeah. You know, they say Freeman is going to play. You know, it's a knee injury, but here's the other news that just came out that the the Falcons have uh, activated Brian Hill, running back, from their practice squad. So that tells me that they want to have somebody else there to help carry the ball. Uh, and I have a feeling that Freeman, if he does play, is going to be really limited potentially. All right. Yeah, we That's- all have opportunities to grab Tevin Coleman. I don't know. I believe in, in both my leagues, he slipped, slipped, slipped. And I just held out. I was like, yeah. And then finally he went. And it's just like, whole time thinking, God, what if Freeman goes down? You're never wishing for it. But what if that happens? And uh, I, I, I passed on him all the way through. Yeah. Can I tell you something? It's hilarious that that happened in yours. In my in my main league, 
uh, we were doing an online draft. And so it got to the point where Tevin Coleman was the highest rated player, right? About like around the fifth round. And so when people were letting the time elapse and I had to keep backing out a pick, it was always Tevin Coleman. <laughs> and I don't know if that like subliminally made everybody just like not want to draft a guy, but he just continued to stay on the board until I grabbed him in the ninth round. Mark. Smart. Uh, going back to Julio Jones, uh, Stags, you were talking about uh, the huge games he's had. Uh, he's been averaging 137 yards per game against Carolina over their last six meetings going back to uh, 2015. Um, that is a pretty, pretty solid outing, <laughs> averaging basically 140 yards per outing. Um, anything else we want to say? Uh, you know, I, I saw this doing a little snap count, some targets, and looking at um, with some tight ends just because I do have, um, you know, I, I have Olsen in the league and like a dumbass. I didn't I didn't even draft – not even like a dumbass. I just was like, if he gets hurt, I'll stream. Um, but I didn't didn't even draft the backup. Um, and I saw um, Austin Hooper was in uh, – was in a, like basically 100% of the snaps. Um, is this a guy that just is great at blocking, or is there any upside for how much opportunity he may have in that offense? No, he has first. Oh no, if you want to go, who do you think? It's fine. Yeah. He he does have opportunities, and if you if you notice the one incompletion that he has had in the, in the last game was a, a throw in the end zone, so he gets red zone looks as well. Um, you know, he's got pretty good speed. He put on some more weight to be a better blocker. Uh, but he's, he's look, if you if you think about everybody else that they have, if Calvin Ridley can't step it up and actually make a difference, Muhammad Sanu is gonna, is a good pos- uh, possession receiver. Austin Hooper is the last other guy that you have out there that might give you some mismatches and allow you to do something. So uh, I, I definitely think that there's some potential there, and especially as defenses now are going to roll even more coverage to Julio uh, than before after that week one performance. It was him every time. All right. Uh, before we go to the next game, we will uh, do us a favor and help us keep the lights on around here and listen to this word from our sponsor. Appreciate that. All right. We got the Colts. Um, they walked away with a loss to the Bengals last week, but you got luck in there and uh, playing, and they actually scored some points, and it looked okay. It looked a little bit better than anything we saw to that team last year. They're heading to Washington to play the Redskins, who basically just annihilated uh, the uh, Cardinals. So um, you are sitting there, and you're wondering what's going to happen in this game. What do you see, Stag Party? I'll let you kind of uh, roll out the starting in the backfield. Looked real murky with the Colts. Um, real murky, essentially looks like probably the worst backfield in the league. Um, is that going to be a, a favorable thing for some of the wideouts, T.Y. and for Luck, or is this problematic long-term? I think it's going to be a very murky backfield all you know season unless uh, you know Marlon Mack can come back and sort of be healthy because right now they need – you know, a dynamic playmaker back there, and, and they just don't seem to be interested in any of these guys. And Wilkins, you know, maybe a solid player more in the Frank Gore line without that explosiveness. Um, you know, Hines is sort of a gadget player who's likely to see targets, and, you know, especially when the game's going to lean pass heavy like it did last week, uh, he's going to see a bunch of sort of PPR opportunities, and that's something you got to keep him – you know, in mind for, 
but it, it does help, but I'm not even sure it really helps the wide receivers. I think it helps the tight ends because, you know, both Eric Ebron and um, Jack Doyle well, were heavily involved. Jack Doyle, you know, seeing double digit targets, being on the field for nearly a hundred percent of the snaps running like 50 uh, pass routes to Eric Ebron's, you know, 20 or 30 uh, during the game. It's something that's exciting, but they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets because, you know, they've got uneven and unclear situations at both wide receiver and running back. So this is a team, while Ebron's not going to be your most consistent player, uh, he's a guy who's looked good in the red zone. He's got a couple uh, touchdowns now from luck between the preseason and the regular season. Uh, and they look like they have good chemistry, and he looks his way when he's on the field. And Doyle's just a guy who he likes underneath and who's always sort of there, uh, and he knows where he's going to be. So uh, besides that sort of boneheaded fumble he had, there was nothing wrong that Jack Doyle did in his game. I mean, so I think it's a very clear-cut offense. I would like to see you know Andrew Luck start taking some vertical shots downfield. It's been much more of a quick strike passing game. And even that, it really hasn't even changed the offensive line. He he was still pressured on 13.2% of his throws, which is the same as his you know last healthy 2016 season. Um, that offensive line is still going to be sort of a work in progress. Yeah, and I'll, I'll sit here and I'll second the fact that that whole running back situation is going to be murky. And even when Marlon Mack comes back, it doesn't really clear the waters at all. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of games where Andrew Luck is uh, throwing 40 or more pass attempts in these games. So, you know, in this situation going up against Washington, um, you know, and Washington's going to be a team that that really kind of wants to do it uh, the other way. They want to kind of uh, pound you and, and and take the clock. So it, this is kind of an interesting contrast in uh, in styles as they'll meet in this game. A guy that I th- I'd say to keep your eye on, though, that uh, has piqued my interest here is Ryan Grant. And, um, you know, he was targeted nine times, came down with uh, eight catches for 59 yards. And... Uh, this is a guy who was on Washington for the last four years. So if there's a guy who maybe has a little extra incentive for you, uh, you wanted to, to, to stream and, and look at for a potential uh, chance, uh, look at Ryan Grant. Yeah, yeah. And the way and the way to attack the Washington Redskins really looks like it's going to be uh, at the tight end position. You know, they still do have Josh Norman out there. Uh, you know, they were very good against the wide receivers or mostly just Larry Fitzgerald. They were very good against Larry Fitzgerald uh, last week against the Cardinals. But, you know, I want to see a little bit. We did see that red zone touchdown for T.Y., the, you know, quick five-yard slant, and he sort of uh, shimmied into the end zone. That was a great play. But I want to see some of those vertical stretch opportunities for him, and then I'll feel a lot better about this offense. Should we flip it to the other side? Yeah, let's go to the other side. So Washington, okay. Surprise of the week, Adrian Peterson, right? (laughs) I I, I don't think anybody saw uh, that coming, especially with the addition of Adrian Peterson as a receiver. Um, That was uh, an amazing sight to see for for Redskin fans. Um, 
And then you have Alex Smith, who did an Alex Smith type of a performance. I, I think that you know what you're going to get out of Alex Smith. He's going to, you know, he'll give you the once once in a blue moon. He's going to he's going to blow the doors off of it. And maybe against the Colt defense, this is one of those chances where he might be able to uh, to stretch it a little bit more. Uh, but Jordan Reed looked pretty good uh, in his first game. Uh, as long as he's healthy, we always like what we're getting out of him. And, and I think again. The thing that you want to see a little bit more uh, from Washington is kind of like what you want to see out of T.Y. Hilton. You want to see a little more stretch to the game. Uh, but it was very kind of ball control. And uh, But they were just pretty much rolling the Cardinals from the beginning. So um, they didn't really have too much to worry about. Yeah. What I did see with Alex Smith is they let him loose early. Uh, and it looked like he had full control of the offense. They let him run. So everything you like from a fantasy owner, Alex Smith sort of so- showed you right away. He had full control. He was, you know, making checkdowns. Chris Thompson, who looked fully healthy. Jordan Reed, who looked fully healthy. You know, his acrobatics sort of dive into the end zone there. It was awesome to see for a guy who struggled with health and foot injuries over the last couple of years. Uh, the only thing you didn't like is how they got the wide receivers involved because each of them struggled. They're still trying to force Josh Dotson on us, and that's you know <laughs> starting to become problematic. Uh, Paul Richardson, you know, looked like the guy over him for a majority of the time, but they were still throwing Josh Dotson after Josh Dotson every snap. Uh, and Crowder's looking more like a safety valve, and this offense looks like it's going to run a lot through the running backs and tight ends. Yeah, I think that's – it doesn't that sound familiar to what Kansas City's offense did when Alex Smith was there for how many years? Yeah, I think they're, they might even be more heavy. But, uh, you know, if you're a Jordan Reed owner, you drafted him late, you've got to be excited – uh, you know, if you saw Chris Thompson, you got him late. You're excited. And even, you know, I'm one of the notorious Adrian Peterson haters out there, but that line just beat the crap out of the Cardinals line. Um, they were manhandling them. And when they're healthy, man, these guys are deep on the offensive line and can push people around. Uh, so, you know, when they can get in good game script games, like uh, Adrian Peterson against the Colts this weekend, what's not to like? Absolutely. What one side note though, uh, you, you know, Jordan Reed owners are, are happy with Alex Smith coming there. How do you think Travis Kelsey owners are feeling after uh, week one? No, I mean, we'll get there, but <laughs> not happy, not happy at all. I would say one thing with Crowder. I think people are hitting that panic button and dropping him. I think he's going to be maybe an annoying, uh, just a headache of a play, but don't drop him unless you really need something else. If you, if you're, if you think that there's another wide receiver out there that's going to be better than them, okay, I'm not going to tell you not. There's probably a lot of good players still had to be had on the waiver wire. But Crowder's going to have games where literally he's getting 15 targets. And I think – I don't know if he's a great receiver, but I think this team just didn't need to need his services so much this week. Uh, and there's going to be opportunities, I think, for him. Uh, so just, again, I think some of the best advice from fantasy football um, people like us is just uh, it's one weekend. It's a long season. Obviously, you're not going to be dropping uh, a Kelsey like you mentioned because he's a uh, top three, four pick for you. But guys like Crowder sometimes, and we've all done it, you're like you panic and you're like, oh, he sucks, and you get rid of him. And then by week five, the guy hits his groove, and he's kind of what you thought he might be. So 
you know, you got to make those kind of decisions for your fantasy teams on who you want to roll with and who you want to pull the ripcord on. But I'm still down with Crowder because, and first and foremost, because Alex Smith is going to do that that control situation type of uh, dunking it down, and when we know that uh, Reed, who I'm all, we're all a huge fan of, he can get injured. So there's going to be games when Crowder is just going to be able to find that find that little hole in the zone and be just peppered with targets and uh, see what he can do with them. Yeah. Uh, should we go to the other side of the action? No, that's it. All right, let's go to the other side of a game. Um, let's go to the Texans at the uh, Titans. Texans got bottled up a little bit. Um, I'm just going to ask both of you guys quickly, as someone who saw in leagues and just his ADP, um, how high um, you know Watson was going. Um, obviously, the the defense for the um, Patriots is going to be better than um, a lot of them because Belichick just was like, we're going after that guy. Uh, are you a little worried about his uh, projecting him over the rest of the season? Or is that one game we're on to the next one? Well, I'll jump in first and I'll let the, the, the more uh, expert of, of Watson go. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I, I feel like it's going to be ups and downs with him this year. I, I did not want to draft him on any of my leagues because of where he was going. But you know, he also didn't have the full compliment. You don't, have, he didn't have Will Fuller out there. Um, you got to give him time. I mean, obviously uh, I think that there are going to be some huge games this year for Deshaun Watson. And so he's still going to be a, a, probably a top six, seven quarterback before it's all said and done again, overreaction Monday to the first game of the season. It was on the road. It was against new England. Let's relax. <laughs> let's 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 not worry about Watson as much yet. Yeah, I mean, the thing is when you look at Watson, like this is the exact same lineup he faced the Patriots with last year. Will Fuller wasn't around when the when he shot out the Patriots and really started making a name for himself. Uh, you know, at, at the tight end position they were still lacking. They Kiki Kuti wasn't even drafted. He was still a Texas uh tech like this is the exact same team. The offensive line is sort of the exact same. Uh, but he's getting pressured, and that offensive line's gonna be a problem for him. Uh, it's, it's you know, depending on your look at it, it's nice to see uh, Bill O'Brien running sort of quarterback powers with them on third and goal, uh, trying to get him in the end zone as a rusher. But is that something you want to see for a guy off an ACL injury right away? Um, yeah, but when he does get fuller back and he gets a com- you know a full complement of players. It's going to be a little bit cleaner, but that offensive line is still going to be an issue. So if people are trying to heat him up all game, uh, he's not going to be, you know, he wasn't very accurate last season. He had so many sort of lucky picks that weren't, you know, actually intercepted. Uh, And a lot of it was just jump balls to DeAndre Hopkins uh, in some ways. And Hopkins was just making plays Uh, in those sort of contested catch situations can be, you know, inherently random from season to season. So I, I do have some concerns. Uh, and, and right now we just need to see that offensive line gel together and give them a little bit of time to work. Yep. Um, well, we saw Hopkins didn't have a, a touchdown, but he, he got some, got his targets, got some catches. 
didn't uh, eclipse the century mark, but you know, you're just not worried about Hopkins. He's gonna have uh, he's gonna have a, a solid season, and always gonna be a main uh, main cog in the offensive plans. When is Willer? When's uh, uh, Will Fuller coming back? Could be. Uh, it's a hamstring, so there. It's it's iffy. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's gonna be bad. But he could be hampered. It's Tuesday. You got to wait for the injury report to come back for him to come out on Wednesday, Thursday to see exactly where he's progressing. Yeah. Any is there a tight end on this team that can do anything? Uh, you know, Jordan Atkins. They're all in with a couple of rookie tight ends, uh, and that's not going to be great for fantasy either. So, uh, right now, it, it's sort of not a bevy of, of talent around them. It's sort of DeAndre Hopkins and a bunch of, you know, cast-offs like Bruce Ellington or young players who haven't really asserted themselves yet. But you think Hopkins has a good chance this week? I mean, look, the the Titans did allow uh, Kenny Stills to to look pretty damn amazing last week. Yeah, I mean, I'm not betting against Hopkins this week. Uh, The Tennessee defense does look pretty tough, and after – you know, eight, 10 hours sitting around on game day and whatever happened there and the craziness of, you know, lightning strikes. Uh, the game did not go as exactly as planned, right? So, you know, whatever may have happened to their defense there, I think it's a little bit excusable, man. But Kenny Stills is one of these, you know, guys who could take a top off of any defense. But, you know, the Titans are going to be an improved defense with a few weeks of Vrabel at the helm. Uh, I think they're going to be strong. And if anybody knows what, you know, Deshaun Watson tendencies are, it's going to be Vrabel. So they're, they might try and heat them up all game, but they need to get a little bit healthier on defense themselves uh, in order to bring that pressure, especially if they want to do it with uh, four or five defenders. Let's talk about the Titans. Obviously, Marriott is already like – Shoulder? Is that what's wrong with him? Um, it's like an elbow, I think. Elbow, that's right. Elbow. Elbow, he's already banged up. A um, lot of question marks in the offensive side of the ball. The one guy that Stag Party was singing praises for all offseason was the only guy that really – eh, Corey looked all right, but was the only, only guy that looked all right that, that did it, Deion Lewis. Derek Henry looked like a piece of crap. And um, Delaney broke his uh, – dislocated his ankle. This is – um, another one of those teams to kind of um, go back to a, a, a poor start, um, a la the Panthers. The Titans' offense definitely took one step forward and three steps back um, after week one. Where can this go? Well, let's start with Mariota. Uh, is, is, this, is the backfield going to stay like this, or do you think they're going to go out of their way to make sure Derrick Henry's in the back of uh, defensive planning um, folks' minds uh, heading forward. Uh, what are your expectations? Uh, Stags, I'll let you uh, drop it first because I, I know that you're you're big on this team in some ways. So Derrick Henry did have a 62-yard touchdown called back to a flag that nobody can seem to find who was actually holding on. Uh, oh, so that. You look at his numbers, and they don't look that impressive. And then you add a 62-yard touchdown on there, and suddenly his numbers look a lot more like Saquon Barkley's uh, than a, a sort of nobody. 
but I, I do think it's going to be game flow dependent. If, you know, if they're able to stay within three to seven points, Derrick Henry's going to stay in the game, uh, you know, carry the rock, be their lead back. But when they need to either play catch up or, you know, go fast, go no huddle, you know, two minute drills and things along those lines that the preferred guys, Deion Lewis. And I think you, you know, could have seen that coming, but Deion Lewis is such an underrated rusher that he is going to have games where maybe not being 250 pounds at running back is better for you. And having the little guy behind the line is, is good. Um, But, you know, a lot of the outlook for this team is going to change. If suddenly Blaine Gabbert's back there is the starting quarterback. Cause then I think you even knock those running backs down. We know you're going to knock the uh, wide receivers down in that situation. But Mariota himself, even before the injury, just hasn't looked good. And throughout this preseason, it hasn't seemed to come together. So uh, this offense is going to need time to gel. You know, they've got a new offensive coordinator in Matt LaFleur. They're running a lot of different concepts. Uh, and unfortunately, they haven't hit the ground running just yet. We've got to wait to see that happen. Um, Corey Davis did see, you know, sort of a big target share, uh, was – you know, targeted vertically down the field and, you know, as a possession receiver. So it's everything you like. Rashard, Rashard Matthews didn't really get involved, you know, ended up with the no-catch performance. Um, you know, Taewon Taylor played some snaps but did, wasn't really involved in the offense. Uh, so there was a lot of question marks at that wide receiver position. But Davis, I think you got to feel a little bit better about him. Uh, especially when maybe Tajay Sharp is the starter across from him, especially with no Delaney there. And you're going to be looking at a young guy in Jonu Smith, who's, you know, another athletic freak at tight end. Uh, but he's still a, a young, young dude, you know, younger than a lot of the guys who were drafted this year. Now, I just watched on – this is uh, – I love Twitter. I just watched that run. Damn, it made me a lot happier about Derrick Henry. I did not – that game was so weird and – just they weren't showing it. It was, it was down, and then I was locked in on um, other stuff. So I didn't see that. Um, God, that made me happy. He looked fast as fuck in that play. Good God. All right, Derek Henry. It's like, John, um, do you think – two things. Do you think that guy can do anything um, as the replacement for Delaney? And then that's my first question for you, Stags. And my second question is for you, Deanie. Um, Gabbard, is, if, if the elbow does keep Mariota out – is Gabbard uh, – yeah, I feel like Gabbard's actually a pretty solid backup when you look around the league. Yeah, I do think Johnny was going to be a big part of this offense. This is an offense uh, that likes to target the tight ends. Mariota seems to be a guy who you know really likes to throw that position. Um, we've seen sort of the shades of uh, LaFleur – two- Two different styles like um, McVay really hasn't thrown to the tight end in two years as uh, well, let's call it 17 or 18 games as the Rams head coach. Uh, and, and then Shanahan, who he's also worked under, is a guy who likes to feature that position. So I, I think it can go both ways. But, you know, Smith's a, a young guy who when the ball is in his hand, he's a dangerous player. So while his route running and things may need work, especially as a, as a blocker and being a complete tight end, when they can sort of design plays for him, I think he's going to be an impact. And as far as Blaine Gabbard as being a guy to add, I, I'd say 
probably not. Um, not, to add, not to add. More so just like can he if, – if Mariota's hurt, can this offense still have some sizzle to it? Um, I mean, it can have some sizzle, but, I mean, at the same time, it's going to be inconsistent. You're going to rely on that defense to keep you into games because the one thing that you can pretty much count on is that Gabbert's going to throw at least a pick a game uh, and make it a, a, a mistake. And the problem is, again, without Delaney Walker, I, I think the one shining light, if you look for this on this team for your your, your shining fantasy light, it is Deion Lewis uh, because whether they're going to be in games or behind in games, he's going to be seeing the field more. Uh, I, I think, I, I guess, you know, you can feel better about uh, Henry when you see that run, but at the same time, if it's Blaine Gabbard who has to lead this team for an extended period of time, uh, Henry's not going to be in as many goal line situations as you would like. One thing I'd also say that bums me out, well, I, you know, Mario's gamer, so I, I could see him playing and, and figuring it out. But the one bummer uh, with him for owners and, and that went out and got him, the reason why you liked him this season, obviously I think this, the talent around him was pretty stout. Uh, new coaching staff, they obviously were running a, a dumbass offense last year. Uh, but you wanted, you thought that maybe uh, Rabel and um, spacing off who their offensive coordinator is, but um, was going to make sure that he ran and they were going to let him use his feet and they were going to let those kind of uh, opportunities maximize his skill set. And if he's already banged up with a sh- uh, an elbow in- injury, no matter what, if even if he plays, they're not going to be telling him, all right, you know, get out there and start running and using your feet. That's the last thing. They're going to be like, all right, take care of that elbow. We do not need you gone for the rest of the season. Deanie. There really yeah. wasn't anything to say there. Let's <laughs> we, can, we can move on. We can move on to the next game. Uh, we'll get time. We're good. All right, so Eagles at Buccaneers. They say they're announcing it tomorrow, but it's got to be Foles, right? Uh, I think definitely it's got to be Foles this week. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's ponder that while we listen to a word from our sponsors. It's going to be Christian Ponder? (laughs) (laughs) You were pondering it. You were pondering it. Maybe. I was pontificating it, thinking about Christian Ponder's wife. (laughs) For a hot chick. I don't think she's that hot. Um, All right. What else we got going? Eagles. Is it Jai? Yeah, obviously, I, the best tweet I saw all weekend, all, I guess that was Thursday, but was the uh, some drunk dude tripping down the stairs and then totally recovering at the bottom um, was basically the Jai tweet, like owners to put him up. Is he going to be um, Easter famine? Are they going to keep kind of riding him? Uh are they going to give a bunch of the is, – is that a, is that backfield just too many players out there? Or what do you think, Stag Party? Uh, I do think it's a little bit more clear than we thought. You know, Clement sort of played a real third role, um, you know, behind even Sproles. Uh, but when there's when there's games and, you know, they've got the game script in their favor or maybe they got up early and that defense is sort of, you know, keeping things tight for them, J.J. is going to get a lot of work. Uh He's going to be their main rusher, but they're also going to have these other guys with wrinkles. Uh, the most exciting thing you're, you saw with Jay Ajayi is his red zone usage. 
lots of you know different plays for him in the red zone and he was just putting people on his back sometimes and you know he looked strong he looked fast and we didn't see any of that hitch in his giddy up or anything but there's a lot of chances that some games when he doesn't get that touchdown you're going to end up with you know 65 yards rushing and maybe one catch for 10 yards uh so he's got a sort of but it's more the bell cow, the half bell cow, you know, run first type of player where he rushes, you know, 14 for 65 uh, and just doesn't get enough opportunities or, you know, score that touchdown to make you feel satisfied. Yeah, but I'd say this, though. I, I feel a whole lot better about where he's at now. I mean, I was going against him in, in- – three leagues this week. And so I was watching and at the very beginning, you notice he didn't even get on the field until I want to say it was the third series of the game. And, you know, it was Sproles that was out there early on. And then, uh, and then after that point, once a jive finally came on the field, once we got into the, about the second quarter, uh, then it kind of became his game at running back. So uh, at least that, I, if I'm an owner of JHI, I'm going to feel better about the fact that I'm curious to see how they're going to uh, install him in the offense as far as when. Is it going to be on the first drive this time? Is he going to start? Or are they going to kind of bring him in and let the game kind of already started? And maybe that's something that could be better for him, you know, kind of come in fresh where everybody else is kind of, uh, you know, wearing down a little bit. Uh, but this offense needs to do a lot more than what they did uh, against the Falcons. And Nick Foles... Um, honestly, other, you know, he looked like the bad Nick Foles that we saw after that miracle run that he had uh, a couple of years ago. I was listening to um, the Sharp and uh, uh, Silva podcast from uh, Friday night, and uh, they're just basically talking about obviously that game was on Thursday, and they're just talking about how Foles had the game of his life in a two game stretch, and then had one other good game last year as a Philadelphia. Um, Eagle. And other than that, when you look over at the last four years, sans the Chip Kelly Eagles era, um, he's been pretty shitty most of the time. Um, so the expectations are to think that he's going to be able to be a driving force for his team um, aren't very good, which tells me that they are going to bring back Wentz earlier than they should, which I don't think is good for Wentz's long-term career. Uh, being a franchise quarterback standing, but it, it's got to happen. Foles, not that great. He kind of did that Flacco, um, sold his soul to the devil at the right time. Maybe even uh, Kurt um, uh, from back in the day, Kurt uh, Warner style. Um, happy for him that he did it, but usually it kind of looks like a, a little bit, uh, a, a little bit disheveled. Well, but but you know what though? Let's let's be honest too. Who does he have to throw the ball to at wide receiver right now? I mean, there's there's nobody there. So it's Zach Ertz and nobody. So he needs Alshon Jeffrey to come back as well. Are people? I don't think he. I think. Well, uh, well, well, look, look, but but Aguilar, but but how they were using Aguilar, and this is kind of what we've seen a lot. And, and and look, I like what Aguilar is doing right now. And, and he's actually playing better football than Mari Cooper. Who's those are the only two wide receivers of note from that draft class. Uh, he looks like a real player, but they need to stretch him down the field a little bit more, but Foles is not really throwing the ball down the field. Yeah. I mean, sometimes 
guys just aren't built to be number one wide receivers, right? Like we saw it with Randall Cobb in a season, you know, step, trying to step in for Jordy Nelson. We've seen it, uh, you know, maybe now with Nelson Aguilar. Sometimes these slot first guys just shouldn't be the number one wide receivers on your team. Yeah, I agree. All right, Ertz uh, gonna gonna be gonna be fine in this game. Is he? Is this an opportunity for him to shine, or mm-hmm. uh, what do you think? He had you know ten targets in that game. Uh, there's nothing really that says that uh, he shouldn't be good. The linebackers there uh, sometimes struggle in coverage, so you're not really worried about anybody in this pass defense. Um, and, and it looks like a pretty good matchup for Ertz. So. Uh, you expect him to put up some points, especially, you know, after a little bit of a flop. And, you know, Ertz is a guy who usually catches everything thrown to him, and he definitely didn't do that in week one. Do you? Where do you have Ertz in your uh, rankings, not to put you on the spot if you've got him in front of you? If not, um, can... uh, Ertz is the second overall tight end for me. He'll be the second overall in the collective, and Wheeler's got him down at three. Cool. Well, uh, let's, let's let's put it this way. Uh, ben Watson uh, w- w- put up uh, um, four, four, for four for 44 against uh, Tampa Bay. So that should make it feel pretty good. Yeah. And I think, I think that, I think Ben's going to be able to, I'm ha- I'm looking at Ben as a guy that could actually, if old, old man Ben could be doing more than I had given him credit for leading into the season. All right. Buccaneers. Holy moly. Is um uh, is crabby is crabby patties? It's the W. I'm eating it. It's the W. Is this guy not gonna until uh, friggin' Fitz Magic gets injured? Is he on the bench or is Winston basically a first overall pick bust? No, I I don't think so. I think you know what you have in Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point. Um, you know he's what. Played in 100 career games. He's been around the league forever. He's a guy who knows how to put up yardage for you. Uh, but he's going to be inconsistent. But, you know, as a fantasy owner, you don't really care because he knows how to distribute the ball to his players. Uh, they can get it out. You know, he sort of plays the fuck it, chuck it style that we talk about uh, where he's pushing the ball down the field and doesn't really care about the repercussions. So, uh, you know, everything you've seen from – Fitzpatrick in week one is exciting, but he's also probably not going to have, um, you know, he's not going to have Deshaun Jackson this week. He's probably out with the concussion. Those guys are usually missing at least a week. Uh, the, you know, he'll have Evans and then Godwin should step into a nice number two role, a little bit more solidified. So you got to be excited about that. If you were a Godwin owner and you believe in his talent, he should see an uptick in targets. Uh, but also a, a guy like O.J. Howard should see an uptick. But the Eagles are still a tough defense. We did see Atlanta move the ball up on, uh, up and down the field on them at some points. But, you know, that's Julio. A lot of it was just Julio doing it by himself. I, I don't know if Evans has that ability. In this pass rush of the Eagles can be very, very tough. Ryan Fitzpatrick basically played that whole game clean and didn't really get touched. And I don't know if you could do that against the Eagles. Yeah, no, he's not going to be able to do that against the Eagles. And Fitzpatrick is uh, look how many how many years has he been in the league? And 
he's uh, he's dominated uh, September. That's his month. He's fifteen and nine in, in the month of September. October he's ten and twenty one. November he's twelve and twenty four. December he's seventeen and twenty one. Uh, so he has his best success early in the year. And uh, and and look, if you've been in the league as long as he has, why wouldn't you just get in there and chuck it and, and take your chances and see what happens? Because you know, happy to have a job and happy to be playing, but he makes things happen, uh, which is exciting. So, but the Eagles, it's a whole different story. Uh, you know, this is going to be one of those games where I think you're you're going to just really kind of if you went out there and you and you're picking him up, up off of the waiver wire to start him this game, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. I think Godwin, I agree, is going to see a nice uptick and has a chance to, uh, to potentially do something uh, nice. Um, you know, as far as the running backs in this game, I, I don't think, uh, I, you know, Peyton Barber did a decent job, but he's nothing special. Is, do you know, is Ronald Jones going to be active for this game, Stacks? Yeah, probably not, bro. Yeah, so that's another thing that's not good. So I just look at this one as, Mike Evans is probably going to see a much uh, heavier target load this week, uh, and he'll probably have one of those 12 targets with, like, six or seven catches. Cool. Uh, Dave Zangaro, a beat writer on NBC. Um, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for over 400 yards, completed 75% of his passes with four TDs and zero interceptions, only the 10th time in NFL history that's been done. Not saying, and it's September to go to your your point, Houdini. Um, and the whole fuck it, chuck it thing. His counterpart does the same shit, so uh, the stakes are pretty low for him. I agree. From fantasy, it's great until it isn't. I'm not saying that you're going and you're slotting him in your starting lineup, but if you're in deeper leagues, you've uh, got a shitty quarterback situation. Um, this obviously isn't a great matchup against the Eagles, but not a, not a guy I'm scared to roster if need be or stream. Um, let's go on to the Chiefs are going to be at the Steelers. Uh, lots to love. Lots to talk about all over the place in this one. As I um, posted around the interwebs and social media the other day, I am a flaming Mahomo. I love this guy. I said that before the games even transpired. Um, this guy it just is going to be great times with the weaponry he's got and his mentality, and um, I'm going to let Stag part. I'm going to let you – I know you're kind of in the same – I think both of us, all of us are in the same um, feelings with this guy, but what do you see for him? What What do you see – how do you see that carrying through um, in a little bit of a t- tougher matchup against Steelers? Um, what are your thoughts on Mahomes? And then just kind of rifle through some of the other positions and then, Dini, give your counter thoughts or a greasy. Let's see. Initial thoughts on Patrick Mahomes. Are you fucking kidding me? You drafted Mitchell Trubisky over this guy? Like you traded up to pick number two and you still picked Mitchell Trubisky? This guy's got everything you want. Like there's not a a play more dangerous in the NFL today than Patrick Mahomes just extending a play to his right, uh, you know, staying behind the line of scrimmage, keeping his eyes downfield because – no matter the platform his feet are at, he could throw the ball 50 yards downfield uh, in the blink of an eye. And you can't cover Tyreek Hill for more than, you know, three to four seconds. Because at that point, the guy's just going to be streaking past you. 
and, and there's not really a, an area you could stop you. You know, sometimes you can, you know, undercut a route. You know, the quarterback doesn't have the arm for that, but Patrick Mahomes has the arm for that. Like, um, it's great when you could throw a dime to a fullback and just have, you know, a perfect ball placement there and, you know, be able to read the speed of, you know, his different players and match. Uh, and then, you know, on short area throws, he's putting it in spots that only his guys can get it. Um, you know, back in college, he threw nearly 600 passes. Uh, and people were claiming he was going to be an interception machine for throwing, what, 10 or 11 uh, in an air raid-style offense. And that's something that's just seems overblown right now because the guy just has so much talent and so much talent around him. Now the question is, can they start to integrate these other pieces? Because there's not going to be games where DeAnthony Thomas uh, is catching a little flip route and walking into the end zone. There's not going to be games where sort of Tyreek Hill is doing the same thing. Um, so I'm not really worried about Travis Kelsey. I do think they're going to start using him more. Um, there's going to be a series or two here uh, against the Steelers that they're just going to go to him early and often. You know, I, I'm not worried about the Steelers' defense uh, in terms of Patrick Mahomes because, you know, he's so good at extending plays, and we saw a little bit more rushing ability than we even thought he did have. And, you know, I thought he had it, and I thought he was – a good runner, but I think he's an even better runner than I thought he was. So, you know, here's the one thing that I'll say is, is that when you, when you look at Mahomes and you compare him and contrast him to what was there before and Alex Smith, they couldn't be more different. You know, it, Mahomes is looking for the big play and that's, that's kind of how Andy Reid wants to run the, the offense. So the one thing that I will say is my concerns as I look at it is, uh, yes, it was a big, huge Tyreek Hill day. Um, it's, he came away with seven receptions for 169 yards, two touchdowns, had the kick return for a touchdown, just uh, scored bazooka fantasy points in my league. But I look at everybody else. Sammy Watkins was the only other receiver that had more than one reception, only total 21 yards. Uh, Anthony Sherman had one catch that went for the 36-yard touchdown, and otherwise that was the, the most receiving yards. Uh, Kelsey was targeted six times, but only had the one catch. So what I'm, and and then let's also look at how taking more shots or taking the, you know, trying to make the bigger plays, what does that potentially do for, you know, the running game? And so Kareem Hunt didn't, you know, for a workload running back, he got the same workload as a partial workload running back in JHI. He ended up with 16 carries and only 49 yards. So, it's going to be interesting to see how the rhythm of all that works. This was just kind of a, a, a strange game, especially the way it started. And it was just big play, big play. I think this one being on the, uh, you know, being on the road where you don't have as many Kansas city fans uh, in the stadium as they did against the chargers. <laughs> I think they probably had more than the chargers. So um, you look at this and I'm going to say, I'm going to temper expectations he needs to be able to hit other people outside of Tyreek Hill and more consistently. Fuck tempering your expectations, Houdini. All right. What's the fun in that? I bet you bet unders too. I don't bet. I don't bet overs <laughs> or unders. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like uh, D Rex here. I've, I, I played, uh, uh, gambled a, a few well, times on a bookies in college, lost almost every single time and said, this sucks. I, I'd stick to fantasy. 
Slow said nice things. I a lot of weed, beer, and there is actually a, a strip club in, in, in town. And I'd rather just, I'd rather throw my money down the drain and that shit. That's what you're saying back in Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, all right. What you guys, <laughs> we want to go, let's go over to the Steelers. Uh, well, one quick question. Uh, Hunt, obviously, I think out of, you know, that, the dumb CBS report afterwards, Hunt w- was the worst scoring player out of anyone drafted in the first two rounds. Blah, blah, blah. Suck my balls, computer. Um, is Hunt something you're worried about at all? Or is everything just going to be fine? Or is, is the fact that they do have Mahomes, they are trying to get us, who he said, that big play. Does, does, does Hunt all of a sudden become a little bit more of an afterthought in this offense? Or week to week? Or everything's fine and it's just one game? I mean, I do think it's a little bit week to week. Uh, you've got to be worried about the overall impact of Kareem Hunt, especially when he hasn't been catching as many passes. Uh, if they're going to go with a you know sort of air raid style offense where they let Patrick Mahomes throw it over and over and over again, you know, you've got to be a little bit concerned about him getting those 20 carry games. Uh, I do think he's going to be a little bit more efficient. I do think they're going to mix in a little bit more variety in the run game, you know, here against the Steelers, you know, Hyde had a pretty nice day. Uh, he, he didn't average a great number of you know yards per carry, but that game was also you know pretty sloppy all around. But I, I have some concerns. I think he's more of a back end RB one now uh, than he is. I, I thought there was a chance that they could have to lean on Kareem Hunt uh, and let Patrick Mahomes you know sort of take it slow, but then pants were off. <laughs> My pants were off. I haven't been – it reminded me of uh, a, a creepy scene when I walked in on Houdini once when he was watching Dez carve up some office, uh, offenses or defenses a while ago, his Desbianism, uh, my, my homoism. We, Houdini I – bar, I, bar, I was borrowing your Jurgens. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually so pumped for the Mahomes side, a little worried about the Hunt side. Um, let's move over to the other side of the ball. Unless you guys got anything else you want to say in the Chiefs? Who owns no. the Chiefs? Owns. Owns. You're what? She's a lesbian. I know. I know. Vance McDonald. Injured. Anything good going to happen there for the Steelers? No. I mean, Vance McDonald might as well be uh, a fantasy afterthought. Like, yeah. Agreed. They've got enough depth at wide receiver, and even their depth at wide receiver didn't really get used last week. I agree with that. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, we're just going to hit on some of the bullets that I had jotted down. Um, any news here? Uh, is this pretty, pretty much he's not showing up to week 10. You're indifferently. Is, is the death of Mac Miller, his buddy, and seeing Connor destroy it and get – all those touches and carries and kind of everyone be like, okay, we're good without him. Is that going to make him want to play again? Or is he just fully thinking of the next contract? He was, in, mean, my, he was in a Miami nightclub just uh, right now. <laughs> nothing bad ever has happened there. Uh, no. what you, <laughs> I, I don't think Bell's showing up this week. 
and they must have some target date in mind. Uh, I don't know what that date is. Uh, maybe they figure out how many touches he gets per game, figured it out how he can not get 400 on the body. Uh, maybe he'll be back with three, but it's sort of a tough situation and it's tough for all sides. Cause if you own James Conner, you know, there's this looming threat of Le'Veon Bell coming back. And if you own Lev Bell, you know that you're probably having to sell him for pennies on the dollar. Uh, if you don't have James Conner as his backup, uh, just trying to get a guy. I'm not feeling bad for James Conner owners. They've got, they got found money. They just found a briefcase filled with gold bars. Um, so whenever that, whenever they spend all those and, and, and the whole, um, the whole charade and Fugaz has moved on and it's back to Lev Bell, just be happy with the points you got until next year. I think he's, he's proven himself that it's like, all right, Lev Bell ain't going to be playing for the Steelers next uh, season. And the Steelers could be like, hey, man, we're, we feel real comfortable where we're at with this fella. Well, and I'll tell you what right now, Le'Veon Bell for sure is out for week two. Uh, the Steelers have removed him from their week two depth chart at this point. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if they're trying to make a statement or something stupid, but they're, they're yeah. both no making those depth statements. charts. People like me at the age of 23. Yeah, this 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 is a dumb argument between the two of them. So, it uh, how about how about Big Ben? He didn't look too good, huh? No, but now he's at home going against the Kansas City Chiefs defense that just got lit up for what over four hundred yards and multiple touchdowns, and he should have had even more touchdowns by Philip Rivers. So, I think you're starting Big Ben, you know, back uh, where he's you know best. Um, you know, at home, I don't think there's anything not to like, you know, in a game that should be cleaner. But I, I guess we do have to see what's going to happen here with, you know, this hurricane. What what remnants are going to be left around by Sunday? Because a lot of these East Coast games, you know, could be affected in a major way. And unfortunately, it's displacing a lot of people already. So uh, good luck to them and, you know, best fortunes and We'll s- hopefully it's not as bad as everybody's saying. Well, I I, I heard um, I heard our, our our world our world leader today say it's really big and it's really wet. <laughs> Literally, what he said about three or four hours ago. It's really big. It's really wet. Sounds like uh, this one talking chick- about Stormy Daniels. No, I, yeah, I was about to say it. Sounds like this chick I hooked up with in Kinsale, Ireland. Back in about 98. Holy crap, that thing was big and wet. Um, let's move on to something else. Where You're playing uh, Antonio Brown. Juju, looking good. There's really nothing else to say on this matchup, right? Yeah, I mean, Jesse James does look like, you know, when Vance McDonald's not in there, he's going to be involved enough in the offense uh, to be a streaming consideration guy. But uh, overall, I think you start Juju, you start Antonio Brown, and John Kana is locked into your lineups uh, until Le'Veon Bell's back. He looks like a great matchup uh, this week. I love John Kana. That's pretty funny. Uh, I like the fact that you know that some um, some Terminator action, you young buck. Good, well done, well done. Dolphins at Jets. We'll start with the um, Dolphins. Um, no, we're not there yet. Um, 
Tannehill looked good. Uh, d- don't really. Ken uh, Drake got a lot of got the lion's share of uh, the carries. Uh, obviously, Stills made every expert that um, is in the uh, expert realm feel great about themselves with uh, Stills. Everyone, everyone loves Stills this year in the uh, fantasy expert zone. Um, what else is going to happen? Yeah, I mean. I think Stills is going to be a big part of this offense. I don't know when Devontae Parker is going to be back. Uh, we didn't see as much from, you know, Danny Amendola as we thought. Uh, and, you know, Gasecki and the other pieces to this offense really weren't there. So it looked like Stills was, you know, the main beneficiary. He's playing a lot of slot now. Uh, and that's something that's exciting, especially going against the Jets' defense uh, this weekend. Because, you know, his ability to just run vertically out of the slot is something that's exciting for the offense. We just need to see some secondary pass catchers step up. It was the wide receivers, though, that were heavily, heavily involved again. Uh, they really foregoed a lot of those tight end passes, those running back passes. A lot of the looks went to those wide receivers, you know, including a guy like Jaheim Grant. Yeah, he had actually seven targets in the game. So, um, uh, you know, and the Albert Wilson out there actually, you know, doing a little bit as well. This is kind of what, you know, remember, this is the Adam Gase offense. So they do like to, you know, as opposed to when we were looking at like the uh, the stat lines of Patrick Mahomes and you see Tannehill here, it's like more even distribution all across the board. So you actually didn't even really have like anyone that was a true dominator as Jakeem Grant was actually the most uh, targeted guy in the entire game uh, for the Dolphins. So, uh, but Kenny Stills is just a guy who gets it done is the big play guy. Uh, They take shots with him and, you know, and obviously now uh, becoming more of a, that, that red zone type of a target. Uh, But Let's be honest. Here's one thing. Here's what I say, but there's nothing that really excites me about this team. Yeah, I mean, Kenyon Drake getting a big of a sort of workload as he did, although it didn't really show up in the numbers and the number of snaps he got was great. Uh, so all the things you thought you drafted him for as an RB two, you know, sort of showed up. Uh, and there's going to be better days. Uh, and, and sort of what you saw against the Jets is they were, you know, the Lions weren't able to get anything going. Uh, but I do think the the Dolphins are a little bit more committed to running the football than the Lions ever have been. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, all right. And I, I, one thing I was saying, sorry to interrupt you earlier, Houdini. Um, sometimes it's tough over these uh, over these uh, Uber conferences, but Stills has been a, a performer. You know, not a not a, a elite guy, but he's performed and gotten it done at a fantasy level. Every year he's been in the league a time or two. And I think now everyone kind of feels with, with stills, and probably rightfully so, when you're when his counterparts are Albert Wilson, uh, God bless him, and as well, uh, you know, Tomax Parker. Right now Stills is a bona fide wide receiver one there. He is. Amendola, I thought, was a wide receiver too, but um, and and I guess he still is because he he got some he got more snaps than Albert Wilson. But it just seems like Stills is like a guy that where you were able to draft him in his ADP, and what you're going to get out of snaps and targets is 
Um, I don't know if you're loving him in your lineup as a starter or a flex or whatever um, each week, but he's the man. So if things are going great in Gase offense and Tannehill and and Miami have a good matchup, then he's the guy. He's pretty much the guy on the offense that you're you're slotted into your lineup. Yeah, let me ask you a question, D-Rex. So he's played 80 games in his career. How many touchdowns do you think uh, Kenny Stills has? Uh, 12. 28. Oh, okay. 30. That's good. Well, I, I'm yeah. down with that. So, you know, <laughs> that's the one thing he also does. I mean, he just has a, a, a knack for finding the end zone. I thought you were, you, I thought you were trying to screw me on. It was going to be ridiculously low. I 28. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, he's good. I remember when he was in the saints, man, there was one season where it was like, these long plays, he was the Ted Ginroll, and you're like, who is this frigging youngster? I, I still remember creating the, the uh, pyro character for him. He was, had blonde hair and all electric. This guy's flashy but dope. He's still been in the league, and he's now he's finally a wide receiver one, you know? Yeah. Um, all right, let's go over to the Jets side of the ball. Darnold, I love you, Stag Party. Uh, you know, I'm in rookie leagues, and I asked Dag Party, I'm like, what is Donald going to be able to do on the season? Because I knew I was wanted him maybe. And what I saw last night, feeling obviously not in the first play, but feeling really good about it. Um, Jets fans in general, PK Ripper, we know you're listening. High fives to you, Ripper buddy. Um, it's just looked, it looks like, uh, it looks like a new era. And I'm not just saying that just on Darnold, but just in general, it looked like a new era. I'm going to do one little stat, and I'm going to let you do. This is actually uh, Crowell's fifth two-touchdown game. Um, it's his first one since 2016. So this guy has the capability within his powers to get those two-touchdown games. I know we're all surprised about it. Uh, but this is also a 700-yard game, um, and that's not – that's kind of impressive considering he's been with Cleveland um, and he only had one last year. So I don't know. Do you guys feel like Crowell can be a, be a badass? I know I talked to Staggs uh, earlier about Bilal Powell and he's like, Bilal can get it done, but you never want to start him. Staggs, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I think besides the 62 yard run, you saw the best you're really ever going to see out of Isaiah Crowell. That's at his high end of, you know, the range of outcomes is breaking off a big one that we've really never seen before. Uh, the rest of the guys, you know, Powell's going to be a pass catching back, but they also use Crowell there. So it's going to be a complicated committee, but if this offense is putting up points, you're going to want to see more. I just don't like that's probably the best game the Jets are going to play all season, right? Like, uh, you're not that that's the best you're going to see, I think. You know, they play well on all three phases. Yeah. Well, and the only problem is that Crowell only had 10 carries in the game. So if he's not going to be getting the volume of touches, and you, then you really can't count on him to really be a consistent threat. And if most people who are are in PPR leagues, he's a guy that just does not help you in PPR leagues. But let's talk about Sam Darnold. You know, the rookie looking good. Um, he had a favorite target, uh, which made me happy since I have him in a couple of leagues. Qu- Quincy Anunla targeted 10 times, came down with six catches for 63 yards and a score. Robbie Anderson 
that was a beautiful catch. I, I just it was surprising to me that that was his only target in the entire game. Um, you know, and Terrell Pryor actually had more targets than Robbie Anderson. Yeah, it, it it sort of seems weird because of the game flow, right? Like you're looking at the overall number of attempts that Darnold ended up with, and it wasn't crazy high. Um, Robbie's going to get more targets than that, but but if you think about it. You know, people have been saying all along that Quincy Inunua is sort of their de facto tight end. And how do you attack the Detroit Lions? You attack them with the tight end. And you look at the variety of routes he ran and, you know, running Texas routes and drag routes. He was really used uh, like most tight ends in an offense are. So I do think that's going to even out over time. But also Sam Darnold, you know, his one throw vertical down the field was to Robbie Anderson. Uh, but other than that, that was sort of a design shot play. Uh, is there going to be any of these plays where Darnold's working around in the pocket and is able to find Robbie Anderson deep down the field like McCown was able to last year? I mean, I, I'm not, I agree with you, Stag Party, that it's gonna. this was their best game uh, as a whole and as a team. Offensively, maybe it was their best game and they were electric, but I, I feel like – we're, we're looking at a new offense that we're, we really haven't seen out of the Jets going back 15 years when it was Pennington and, and, and you know, Curtis Martin and whoever that little white dude that I love from Hofstra was. Um, Wayne Corbett. Wayne Corbett. <laughs> I, was, I was in a restaurant when I lived in New York, a little shitty hamburger stand, and Wayne Corbett was in there. And uh, my boy Maurice – was totally all over him, totally ruined his meal. <laughs> I've tried to weed him out of my meal. Like the poor guy, like, boys, like, wait, wait, look, talk to him. The guy's like, dude, just let me eat a burger and fry. I live in the hood, trying to get in and out. And it's just so funny. Um, but yeah, Wayne Corbett, that's it. I, but I think this offense looked like it had some talent. And I agree with you on the, um, on the Quincy being the tight end. But we like Robbie Anderson. Uh, I, I think Terrell Pryor looked like he was pretty good, and the guy's fucking six five and fast. And I don't know. I, I, I feel I'm buying into I'm buying into the feeling that this is a, a new regime and a new a new day dawning for the Jets, both defensively, offensively. But yes, I agree. This is their best game of the year. <laughs> I'm just saying, from fantasy points, they're going to be there. No, but I'm just saying, I love that this is their best game of the year. It, it is. They, how how you think that is? What did they score? 47, 43? Uh, I think they're going to have better offensive games than this. But but um, but no matter what, this is so far, this is the best game they've played all year. Well, do you, do you realize that they had like what? One or two? They had a kick return. And they had an interception return. So they had a punt return by uh, Andre Roberts. Andre Roberts, and they had a pick six. So that's no, why. I agree. I agree. It's probably not going to get much better than this, but uh, this is also the worst game they've played all year. It's going to be the best game they've played all year. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Having fun with you. Move on. Let's go. Yeah, flipping over. Um, to the other side? No, no. It's next game time. Next game. We're going to yeah. move on to the Chargers and Bills. Uh, I mean, the Chargers, 
they looked like they left a lot out on the field. There was so much more for them to be had. Terrell, uh, Tyrell Williams dropped a big play. Uh, Travis Benjamin dropped, you know, one long play and one touchdown. Uh, but this looks like an offense that's going to be reckoned with, man. And going up against the Bills, who we just saw get demolished, um, you're a little bit concerned. But back in Buffalo, playing in front of Bills Mafia, you know, that looks good. But, you know, this team, did they play last year uh, in 2017. And I think... Think the Chargers put up fifty-four points? Yeah, you know the, the other thing you got to look at is wow, the plethora of weapons that uh, Philip Rivers now has at his disposal. Right, that we we saw now the emergence uh, of uh, of Mike Williams and and what he potentially can can mean to this offense. Uh, you have Austin Eckler, who is you know basically kind of reestablishing what Darren Sproles did for Philip Rivers way back in, in the day uh, that they've been looking for ever since. And so having that back was, was, was a nice addition as well. Yeah. I mean, the offense for the Chargers, it looks like you're, you're starting the guys you know. You're starting Philip Rivers. Um, you're starting Melvin Gordon. You're starting Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, Austin Eckler, when he sees a good number of touches – you know, he's usually very efficient, and I, I got to think he's going to see 8 to 10 in this game. So the question is, who are you starting at wide receiver to? Are you starting Mike Williams, or are you starting the big play threat of Tyrell Williams? You know, for me right now, I'm, I'm almost kind of leaning toward Mike Williams just because of he's a guy that they drafted highly that, you know, we basically just didn't see a lot of, and his upside is is great. I mean, we know what Tyrell can do, and he's a good player, but – I think the unknown is 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 almost kind of more enticing with Mike Williams. Yeah, Tyrell Williams was on the field, you know, like over sixty plays. Uh, Mike Williams was on the field, you know, 45, 44 plays. So it is tough to say that you know Williams is overtaken him, but he did you know look like the more targeted player. Uh, that's just a fact. So we've got to see how it's going to shake out over time, but. You know, Tyrell, if he ma- if he makes one or two plays, that's all you need because he is a threat, man. He's always been that way. He's always been that, like, post-long play where he just knocks out a 65-yarder. Houdini, um, as far as running backs, we're talking about Austin Eckelar. Is there any guys that are in – do you like him as a pickup for uh, fantasy owners? Or is, he, is there enough to go around for him with fantasy points? Or are you taking him as a handcuff thinking if worse and lo and behold, something happens to Melvin Gordon, um, that he's uh, just, just skyrockets into uh, your starting lineups. I mean, I mean, he's a great, uh, it, it's, I don't look at him as a handcuff to Melvin Gordon. I think they're just, they're, they're not necessarily the same. They're, they can do similar things, but uh, he's not a guy that you're going gi- to be giving like, you know, 20 carries to he's great in spots and in, in the, in the right spots, but just look at what, uh, <laughs> you know, Phillip rivers did with the running backs last week between Gordon and Eckler. They were targeted 18 times, which is just insane. So I look at, at Eckler. And again, when you are lacking Hunter Henry, you're looking for other ways to kind of bring the tight end position out because Virgil Green and Antonio Gates are good to have on the line to block, but 
they're really not guys that are going to be giving you the big yardage because of uh, mismatches like Hunter Henry was going to be able to give you. So Eckler becomes one of those guys that you can kind of plug in there. And when he goes out into these, uh, these pass patterns that he just creates mismatches against linebackers. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I think they are taking out a lot of tight end targets. Yep. All right. And when I'm looking at Gordon at 13 and Eckler at five, that's it. Looks like things are going to be uh, some great opportunities out of the backfield um, with with uh, some passing targets are going to be happening as usual for the backfield of the Chargers. Um, anyone else we want to talk about here? Gates kind of actually had a lot of snaps. Is is he someone that anybody's interested in anymore, or is it? Is it all flowing through these running backs and the wider receivers? Touchdown or bust proposition for me. I mean, if you can line up a game where you know he's going to score, I think that's where you know he does well. The last time we knew he was going to score was when they uh, were trying to get him the scoring <laughs> record. <laughs> I, don't think he played, I don't think he played more than 20 snaps after it. Exactly. All right, let's go over to the Bills. Woo! All right, the Bills. So, Nathan Peterman is our starting quarterback, and he's already been yanked week one. This is a mess. LaShawn McCoy looks like he's not going to get suspended, which is great for owners that got him in the fourth round or so, but he looks like shit and didn't even really get many touches. What are you, is, This is essentially... This is just a horrible team to have offensively for fantasy football. Um, it's it's purgatory. Yeah, I think you're considering starting. You know, Sean McCoy is a flex. He did, you know, sort of pick apart the Chargers last time they played. Rushed for eight point eight yards a carry and a touchdown. But you know, everything else is just so different that it's hard to count on similar production from year to year from that guy. I mean. You've got to be concerned. The offensive line is in shambles. The quarterback room's a major question mark. Um, you know they're going to continue to evaluate who the starter is. Like at this point, you know, throw them to the wolves. Like with yeah. no Joey Bosa out there, uh, they look a little bit weaker on defense. You know, uh, you know, I don't want anything to do with the Bills. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, we're moving on. Honestly, we don't have time to talk about them. I agree. Hand the keys. Can I, can I, can I just say one thing? Yeah. That you know that that Nathan Nathan Peterman has not uh, ever uh, finished a full game as quarterback or played a full game as quarterback. Oh, I got a better one. I got a better one. Go ahead. There's like eight hundred and eighty-nine quarterbacks that have thrown fifty career uh, attempts or something, right? Uh. And then the last three in terms of passer rating, Henry Burris, some other schmuck, and Nathan Peter. <laughs> he's last? Yeah, he's last. Oh, God. Henry Burris. Pro football reference. He's on threads with, the, with the, my Bears buddies. Henry Burris. lost more aneurysms on a thread. I could, feel, I could feel the blood boiling in the text that I would get about that guy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're moving on. Bills, good God, you're fucked. That's just a shame. Um, let's go to the Vikings at the Packers. Uh, Vikings, I'm going to let one of you guys talk about it, and I'm definitely not saying a word about the Packers because I'm still 
bummed out about that whole thing. Um, uh, I'll, 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 I'll give you some Vikings. Yeah, like, um, I, I really like what I saw. I mean, I mean, Kirk Cousins uh, looks good with with this team. Um, you know, it's only going to get better. The, the chemistry is only going to get better as as they go along. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook. I, I think we would have liked to seen a little bit more uh, from him as far as the spark at the running game. But look what he does. He still adds things in in as a uh, receiver. It was an unfortunate fumble. You know, on a nice uh, uh, catch and run that he had. Uh, they popped it out of there. But that happens early, so now you know he'll be thinking about that and hopefully secure things down the road. And then when you look at the two uh, main threats as the receivers, you got Diggs and Thielen, and it, and it kind of went counter to what we were seeing in the preseason. Everything in the preseason was telling us that Stephon Diggs was going to be the st- the favorite to target uh, favorite target of Kirk Cousins, and uh, Thielen actually had uh, double the amount of targets of him, uh, and also more than double the yards. Although Diggs is the one that scored the touchdown. Um, Kyle Rudolph, we didn't see much of, we had the two targets, but he did have the touchdown. Um, but I, I think all in all, the offense for Minnesota is, is good. And it's, and it's going to be able to, to move the ball effectively. And look, they have a ridiculous defense. And in this game, what they're going to need to do is, is, you know, if Aaron Rodgers plays is to put massive amounts of pressure on him so that, he and he doesn't have the escapability in order to put the ball back in your hands, and you're going to need to be able to rely on Dalvin Cook a little bit more in this game if that's the case, so that you can kind of wind some clock and and keep him off the field. But it's a very balanced offense, and the Green Bay defense, while the Bears didn't put up a ton of great stats against them, they were able to move the ball against them. I, I feel very comfortable that the Vikings are going to have a, a pretty good – opportunity in this game and uh to to score a bunch of points and to put up some good fantasy production all, almost across the board i mean the way i look at it is you know pretty clearly the vikings are starting i think you know you're going to start kirk cousins you know you're starting stefan diggs you know you're starting adam thielen uh kyle rudolph was the guy who you know didn't get a large number of touches and that was very concerning but other than that, you're starting all the guys. You feel pretty good about it. Got a nice um, what's that? Got a nice touchdown. Yeah, I mean, touchdown deodorant's a nice thing. But <laughs> the number of targets he saw was concerning. we got to see what happens you know, down the line if he becomes more of an afterthought. But, you know, Kirk fit in perfectly. You saw him drop it in the bucket to Stephon Diggs for a touchdown. Like, he's exactly what that offense needs. Uh, you know, he provides enough as a runner to sort of keep the threat alive. Uh, and Dalvin Cook, you know, he even looked good. They're going to continue to use him heavily. But, you know, when they get up and when they feel like they've got the game in hand, I think Latavius Murray is still going to continue to you know get a lot of work. Yeah, I think that's where the one thing for Dalvin Cook where it maybe becomes a detriment, right, coming off of the injury when they get up and they have that lead just to say, hey, we're just going to run Latavius as opposed to that's usually the times where defenses are worn down, uh, where those with the, with the star running backs are able to get those bigger chunk plays. So, uh, you know, I believe that maybe that changes later on in the year, but probably for the first five, six weeks, that's probably how they're going to treat Cook. Cool. Let's move over to the Packers side of the ball. Aaron Rodgers playing that cork soaker. Uh so as long as you call him the most overrated player in the league, Aaron Rodgers is going to be out there on the field. God damn it, thank you. I'm, I'm, 
I was gonna text. I was gonna text. Like I meant, I I, I misspoke. I was gonna do it. <laughs> I misspoke. I said isn't. I said isn't. <laughs> I missed the isn't. <laughs> I was gonna tweet that two different times, and I was just like, you know what? Too many other trolls would pounce on it. Fuck it. That was that was my favorite tweet ever. And as you know, I'll never delete a tweet. Ah, oh, God. I, I posted <laughs> before the game, and I still feel that way. Fuck's sake, that bastard. Um. Anyway, Packers, let's go. Yeah. I think you're starting the wide receivers. Uh, look at Devontae Adams. He played well. Uh, he's very involved. You know, Geronimo Allison looks involved. Randall Cobb. Those guys all become secondary uh you know, wide receivers, Devontae Adams is the number one, but that means he probably gets Xavier Rhodes this week. And that's not a great matchup for him uh, in terms of what you're looking for in terms of cornerback matchups. He's going to be a tough, you know, tough go, but you're not taking him out of the lineup. But it does sort of elevate Cobb and Allison a little bit. Uh, and then at tight end, you got to hope you see more from Jimmy Graham because, you know, it, between the twenties, it still just doesn't look like it's there. He doesn't look like he has a lot of juice, uh, and he's and if he's just a red zone only player, that that scares me a little bit, man. But uh, I, I do think Jamal Williams is going to be more involved, and you know the game's not going to get out of hand twenty to nothing early in the game, and Khalil Mack's not going to catch uh, the passes that are intended for him, you know, on the fly. So it should clear up a little bit and look a little bit better, especially if Aaron Rodgers is out there. But if he's somehow not out there, like this is one of the biggest downgrades you can see. Kaiser just still doesn't look ready. And as bad as Brett Hundley looked, you know, last season, Kaiser looked worse in limited snaps, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will say this though. I, I I'm really not high on Jamal Williams this week. I mean, the Vikings defense is good against the run. The Packers um, were not really able to open up hardly any running lanes against the Bears, and uh, the front seven for the the Vikings is just as good as the Bears, if not better. Yeah, I think, I could see I could see the Packers getting destroyed in this one. Wishful thinking. <laughs> Um, all right, let's 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 move on. Is there a guy that you, do you think Geronimo Allen is a guy that, in waiver wire that people are uh, teasing and want a lot? Houdini is this a guy um, that you feel can deliver throughout throughout a season for owners, or did, was it one long touchdown pass? No, I mean he's definitely a guy that can deliver. I mean let's let's look at it this way. I mean we can go back to to dogmatica days of pyromaniac. The one guy that you want to have on the Packers is the third wide receiver. So that happens to be Geronimo Allison. And but look, he's been playing with with uh, with them. He's he's been integrated in their system for a while since he's come into the league. Um, he, you know he's not going to be the guy that's going to be getting double covered. Having the guy like Jimmy Graham out there bringing him, he he draws attention. Absolutely. It's called one-on-one matchups, and when you have the great quarterbacks, if you can get open, you're going to get the ball. Cool. Uh, last of the early games on Sunday, Browns visiting the Saints down in New Orleans. Let's start with the Browns. What's going to happen? It looked like people weren't too, uh, or just in general, it looked like Tyrod wasn't having his finest uh, moments. Are his minutes uh 
are the, is the hourglass ticking on him? Um, or was that just not a great opening day for him? I mean, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor is a guy without a great arm, right? So when there's wind gusts and rain and things that are going to affect him, it's going to be trouble. But you, you saw the weapons. You saw Jarvis Landry making plays down the field. You know, they threw it to Njoku a lot, although he didn't convert uh, and make a big play. But the weapons are all there for him. He gets the Saints defense that was just lit up by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, at least you got to give him consideration as a streaming quarterback and as a DFS play. Um, but, you know, all those weapons are, are still there. And even though, you know, Josh Gordon isn't a starter and then he actually starts and then Josh Gordon's on a snap count and then he plays 69 snaps, like – you know, that guy's going to become more involved as week goes, as weeks go on. And, you know, Jarvis probably like that's his high target watermark for the season uh, in that game. But he still looks like he's going to be a very, very fantasy relevant wide receiver. Um, the third wide receiver lull looks like it's more Rashard Higgins than it is Antonio Callaway. Uh, and, and then Duke is sort of the guy who didn't really look involved as a pass catcher. Yeah. Well, uh, the Jar- Jarvis Landry was second. Uh, this is uh, Rich uh, Rybar, uh was air yards, 223 air yards week one for Jarvis Landry, which is surprising. I thought he was going to have a, have a tough time in this offense with the situation, but that was second most uh, behind Julio. So what did Landry have, 15 targets, 14 targets? 15. 15 targets. Um, I didn't really see that happening either. So he's doing his thing, man. He's right back there. Uh, he, he's essentially a, a, an X. He's an X-wing kind of player, and he's a running back. He, he, you're just getting in the ball short. You're getting the ball out of his hand, out of the quarterback's hands. And uh, Jarvis Landry, for everything that I thought maybe he wasn't going to do with the Browns this year, week one, Looks like he's going to be just like Jarvis Landry. Ton, ton of targets, uh, but not probably all that many yards, and we'll see what he does with touchdown-wise. Yeah. Um, Carlos Hyde looks to be established as the first team running back. Uh, they fed him a lot, so it's really hard to complain if you drafted him. You know, it was sort of your RB3, because those guys are coming in handy right now. Uh, there's been – you know, with the with the Le'Veon Bell situation, it's been a sort of weird start to the season for some of the top players. But uh, you know, you know, as an RB two weekly, it's you can get a lot worse. Uh, the number of carries, so you got to lock him in, in my opinion. Um, you want to flip over to the other side, yeah, D? Let's let's. Yeah, I'll, I'll flip over. I'll just say this though: Carlos Hyde's numbers kind of look like Isaiah Crowell's with uh, the Browns. <laughs> All right. Exactly. It'll work out. Let's go these next three games. Let's kind of motor through a bit as much as we can to get get ahead of the game. Uh, so let's go to the Saints side. Well, I mean, so so with New Orleans, I mean, they were in the in the shootout. I mean, obviously, I think you got to say that Elvin Kamara is a hundred percent fine and and amazing, and uh, <laughs> it's all good. And the fact that it's Elvin Kamara without uh, Mark Ingram in there right now, what it also tells you is. Look, we're not going to run the ball a lot. It's going to be otherwise going to be a lot of like short passes. So 
They only had uh, 13 rushes in the game, and two of those were from uh, you had, you had one from Ted Ginn and, and one from Jonathan Williams as well. So um, they threw the ball 45 times. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Michael Thomas locked into your lineup. Wow, what a game did he have. 17 targets, 16 catches, 180 yards, and a score. Um, you look at him uh, going up uh, against uh, against Cleveland here, and you're going to say, well, hey, you know, uh, you just got to feel pretty good. I would, anyway, uh, that Thomas is going to be able to continue to do what he's doing. Um and it's those two guys, Kamara and Thomas, create the mismatches that then open up things for guys like Ted Ginn. And Ted Ginn, you know, can can be that take the top off of the guy, or just hey, a little bit bigger play here. And and Brees has faith in him as well when they're uh, uh, in, in these situations. So, and then old man, as you said earlier, old man Ben Watson, hey, he's in the right situation. You get with the right team, you're going to get opportunities. Yeah, it's hard to complain about any option on the Saints. Uh, the one thing that didn't happen that everybody was promised was, you know, rookie Traquan Smith, uh, you know, having a big week one. Everybody talked about that. It didn't come to fruition. It still looks like uh, the Saints offense of last year, but they're not having as much running success. The defense is bad. So, like, if you think their defense is going to be even, what, 50% as bad as it was in that game, for the rest of the year, like you've got to uptick all of these guys in their offense. You've got to love everybody, including finding a way to try to acquire Mark Ingram while you know, while he's on suspension and while the price is maybe a little bit lighter. Yeah, not he. Mark Ingram was amazing in, in all of my auction leagues. He went as expensive or more than every uh, other running back, other than like Le'Veon Bell and Fournette that were available. Crazy bananas. Uh, I think that's all I got for the Saints. I think it's a very clear team who you know who you're going with, uh, and you know Ted Ginn's that sort of flex play. Who, if he makes a big play, you know the defense is in trouble. Should we move on to the next game? Yeah, but I like that. Do, uh, do we need to, to pay our, our keep our lights on for a little bit, though, first? Yeah, sure. I like lights. Yeah, let's keep those lights on. Listen to this. We've got a real barn burner of an action for you here. Now we got the Lions at the 49ers. Uh, the Lions looked uh, absolutely like the cowardly lion on Monday Night Football. Um no. It was it was bad. Stafford threw four picks. Um, so what's to make uh, anyone feel that uh, it's going to get better on the road at San Francisco? The worst part about what's happening over there is the fact that it, the news is already saying that uh, Patricia has lost the fucking locker room already. So it's not looking good. Week one – that kind of loss to a team that's been a bottom feeder for a while. And I don't know. I, I would say I would hit a lot of panic buttons for the Lions. Maybe, again, maybe maybe not, but it doesn't look great. Stafford owners, people that waited on the quarterback, and he was their number one guy, Trubs. It, it just doesn't look good, right? The running back situation looks awful. 
They don't run. They're not going to run it at all this year, as they shouldn't. And uh, the only thing, the only glimmering hope that looks at the moment is uh, Kenny Galladay. I mean, the wide receiver core still looks good. Like Marvin Jones was, you know, this close to converting it. You know, a big touchdown catch that would have changed his outlook. Uh, Golden Tate still had 15 targets, scored a touchdown. You know, Kenny Galladay had the best game of his career. Um, the thing is with Marvin Jones is you look at his target share with and without Kenny Galladay, uh, and it's like 7% higher. So when Galladay is out there killing it, uh, it's going to be tough for Marvin Jones. He's going to be more of a role player in the, and be more of the field stretcher. But Galladay looks like he's legit, man, and as long as that guy stays healthy, like if you're looking for a guy to add with some upside, like Kenny Galladay is one of the best – in the business. They've got no tight end to speak of. Uh, you know, they, it looks like they don't even really want to throw it to any of these running backs anymore. Theo Riddick uh, will be their receiving back. Carry on Johnson's going to step in some in that role as well. But yeah, you, the run game doesn't look like it's coming together. Blunt looked like he got banged up. You know, that offensive line gave up pressure on Stafford. Uh, and that's something they really spent a lot of assets this off season to try to improve. They tried to, Fix the run game and tried to fix the pass protection. So it, it really it, it, started, it wasn't a great start. It did look like they missed Ebron, even however marginal he was when he was with them. And yeah, I agree. Like the running back situation looked garbage. And I, I don't know. Any hold? There's news and there's uh, some some uh, some buzz around the mix that that maybe Tate is on the trading block. Could you see him getting moved with that Galladay performance? And I, 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 I like Marvin Jones. I agree. Catches that touchdown. It's a whole different deal. Uh, could you see uh, Tate getting moved? I don't know. I, I, I guess in the last year of the deal, but aren't you more likely to move Kenny Galladay? Wouldn't you want Golden Tate there to be the compliment to, uh, you know, Galladay? You know, Jones and him sort of seem like redundant players, but agent agent contract, I'd say. But yeah, I don't disagree with that player um, correlation aspect. But it it seems like I don't know. Who knows? These days, it's just what I read is that people want Tate and they'll move him because they're not going to give him the big dub. Yeah. Uh, Flip over to the other side here. Sure. Uh, Flip over to the other side. Is Houdini alive? I'm alive, yes. You got the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, you guys are rambling. I was letting you go. <laughs> so uh, the, the thing with the, the 49ers, um, you know, you, the, the guy that stands out, the guy that you want to own that's that's also still available in some leagues is George Kittle. Uh, he had uh, nine, nine targets, ended up with five catches for 90 yards, no scores, although he – should have had a touchdown catch um, and would have had about 130 yards on the day. So he looks pretty good. As far as the, the running back situation, um, they split the carries basically evenly between both Morris and Breda. Um, you know, it didn't, you know, again, that was a tough team to run against when you're going against uh, Minnesota. Uh, hopefully it should be a little bit easier here. Uh, with uh, the Detroit Lions, I mean, if Isaiah Crowell can bust out a sixty-yarder, why, why not think that? Uh, well, Alfred Morris is not breaking a sixty-yarder. So, 
<laughs> but they could maybe break some bigger plays. <laughs> I think the one thing that was concerning to me, though, when you look at uh, what's going on with San Francisco is is what's going on in the passing game because Pierre Garçon just looked old, um, you know, really was not able to, 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 to put it together. Um, you have Marquise Goodwin who left the game with a quad injury and uh, whether he's going to be able to come back or not is, is suspect. So then the other guy that becomes really interesting is uh, the second year player, Dante Pettis. And uh, first, was, year. Was it, uh, first year player. Sorry. Sorry. And uh, five targets for him, but uh, he had uh, two catches and they were big catches. So he had a, a 39 yarder and a 22 yarder. So he's, he's more of that, uh, can, you know, if you're looking, if Goodwin's going to miss time, Pettis is the guy that's going to step in and fill that role uh, for those shots downfield. And again, from what we saw from Detroit against uh, the Jets, they are susceptible to some bigger plays down down the sideline. Yeah, with Dante Pettis, I think he's a guy who can play a variety of roles. Uh, you know, you look at him lined up against Xavier Rhodes from time to time and his ability to create separation on short routes – uh, that looked awesome as well. Just his footwork and his hands uh, to be able to beat the press looked great. Uh, this guy looks like an exciting prospect. So, you know, if, if you're looking for a deeper waiver wire ad, uh, this is a guy to look to. Uh, it, it, yeah, you're you're completely right about Pierre Garçon, but he also did have, you know, Xavier Rhodes lined up against him for a lot of the game, especially after Goodwin went out. Um and then Kittle is the guy you're looking to is, but can he carry a passing game? And that's just something uh, I'm not completely sold on. He did have the most yards uh, for a tight end of any player who played the Vikings all of last season. So he showed up in a big, big way. Uh, Garoppolo, you know, struggled some, there was a lot of pressure, uh, made some throws that were incredible, like that touchdown throw to Dante Pettis. Um, and now getting a Detroit Lions defense that, you know, got frankly embarrassed by, uh, you know, Sam Darnold. You got to be liking the opportunity for. They're What's quit- that? They're quitters. Maybe. Maybe they are quitters. You got to be liking. Well, well said, he's like, I think I, I thought one more run, one more touchdown, they would quit. And he's like, that's what I felt like happened. Uh, you know, you know, it was hilarious. One of the, I think it was uh, Frank Isola. I heard him uh, on TV. He goes, you know, you know, you're watching the Jets game, and then you know the fans are leaving in the third quarter, and uh, you know the Jets are used to that, but they're used to it being their fans that are leaving in the third quarter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you see the way that? All of the fans in the entire stadium, I actually think that this was kind of a little obnoxious, but all the Jets fans inside Ford uh, Stadium or whatever last night, they all went like to the Jets side of the bench and were right down there. It was like, you could just see it. They were showing last night where it was like the whole stadium was moving towards there and like going crazy. I mean, it was a real slap in the face to the Lions. And instead of hearing Lions being like, we got our asses kicked in our house, you hear the Lions talking about how Patricia rode them too hard. I'm going to tell you right now, it does not sound like this is going to be a great season for the uh, Detroit Lions. Yeah. All right, let's go to uh, Cardinals at the Rams. Cardinals, Sam Bradford, who do you like at quarterback? 
less than Sam Bradford. Look, can I just say that it's it's also not going to be a very good year for the Cardinal. <laughs> That's why I mean, Flavion Belt. <laughs> yeah, uh, David Johnson. You know, his biggest concern is sort of the variety of routes they had him run. Uh, he wasn't really used down the field or as a wide receiver. They were all these, you know, dump offs from the running back position. And, you know, David Johnson is one of the most unique players in the league that this guy's like a wide receiver. Um, you know, the rest of the players, you know, Christian Kirk played a ton of snaps. Uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's Larry, but, you know, they're going to have a tough, you know, that the Rams defense is tough. Like besides David Johnson, I'm not very interested in playing anybody, and I think if you're playing Larry, you're playing him with some expectations, uh, uh, lowering your expectations because the the Raiders just completely ignored their wide receivers because of how good they thought they were on the outside. Yeah, the Redskins, yeah. And and the other thing is, too, uh, we, I, no, Raiders. no, Raiders, Raiders, Rams. Oh, sorry, sorry. But I agree with both. I agree with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit of both, yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, you look at what Sam Bradford did too. I mean, what did they do in the first half of that game against the Redskins? Is what I was talking about. Is I think they had like what, like 35, 40 yards of offense. Was that about right? Yeah, it was not good. It was it was absolutely atrocious. I think they had like positive yards on their first. Uh, drive of the game and then they just didn't do anything for the entire rest of the first half so um you know against so now against the rams no i don't like any of these guys either um and and i think david johnson you want to talk about a guy to to buy on at a at 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 an early point in the season where uh, things could be rough for him just wait because if david johnson doesn't produce this week then the following week he's going to face the bears um, and you know, so potentially, uh, the, the schedule lining up for him is, is, is not great. So that way you might be able to get, a, uh, you know, someone that's depressed after three bad weeks and scoop them out and, uh, and take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, it's, is it going to be Rosen time by when stag party? I mean, right now it looks sooner than later, right? Like, uh, I don't know what was going on with Sammy Biscuits there. Nothing. Uh, nothing you wanted to see in that game that you liked. Um, so I, I think they're going to ride with Sam Bradford for a little bit uh, in this game. But then it's, you know, Rosen time sooner rather than later, man. Yeah. I like Sammy Biscuits. He's like, I've never felt better after week one. Oh, geez, this might not be good for anybody. It doesn't matter how good he feels. He's just not very great. Um, any Anybody to think about for uh, owners, Houdini, uh, pickups, Kirk, anyone uh, on the Cardinals? If not, we'll move over to the Rams. Well, I think Kirk is one of those guys, if you want to play the futures game, I, I don't think you're going to need to run out and get him right now. I think he'll sit there on the waiver wire probably in most leagues for the next three, four, weeks or so um but if you want you know I, I do like what he'll be doing in this offense by week eight week nine for sure he feels like to me his comp to me is stills i'm not saying obviously rookies second going to go into the second game ever but 
his body, his game set, his skill set seems very Stills-esque. Um, all right, let's go over to the Rams. Um, you know, they were able to, to feel like they were going to have the Raiders be playing games with them in the first half, and then the second half they kind of just uh, rose to the top. Zach, Zach Party, what did you like the most about what you saw in the last game? And how does that move forward uh, against Cardinals, who no one is really that scared of? Defense. I mean, you look at Brandon Cooks, you know, seeing eight targets. Sammy Watkins saw eight targets in one game last year. So that was sort of the high watermark. You like to see that in the first game. Uh, it looks like he's going to be highly involved. And, you know, his ability to get downfield, I don't know if Jared Goff has enough arm to get to him, right? Like. But it caused a lot of defensive pass interferences. It moved the ball in a big, big way. But, uh, you know, some of those are going to end up hitting. In, in all, their receivers are three equal players. Uh, they're all playing the same amount of snaps, right? They're all – they're playing three wide receiver sets pretty much exclusively all game. Uh, Todd Gurley looks great, uh, you know, both as a runner and as a receiver. Again, there's nothing you – dislike there they're you're, they're you're getting nothing from the tight end position nothing from depth wide receivers uh so it's all about jared goff and then you look at jared goff and his number of, of attempts last week was still you know bone dry he completed just 18 passes which was uh, the tied for the second fewest or third for fewest in the league like they're keeping it they're keeping it sort of really similar to last year um, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against sort of a division opponent. They're going to have to show some new things. Uh, and, and you look at Cooks probably getting Patrick Peterson. It's not the best matchup for him. So I'm going to look to guys like uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And Robert Woods got a ton of targets uh, but didn't really convert any. So, uh, you know, then they're running jet sweeps to these guys. It, you're liking the prospects for all of their wide receivers, that's for sure. And Todd Gurley is Gurley right now. Yeah, the other thing that was interesting, though, uh, only five guys uh, had balls thrown at them or touched the ball during the game for their <laughs> offense. Normally, you get like se- <laughs> normally you get like seven or eight, you know. But it's like it was it was Gurley, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Malcolm Brown. That was it. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's very concentrated, which is great if you're a fantasy owner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, truly. You know, it's not like one of those situations where you got Tom Brady who's throwing it to six different receivers on the first drive. Yeah. Awesome. Good points. That that's that's huge. Thinking about that right now. For you listeners, the Rams are gonna score a lot of points and they're gonna facilitate those points for a handful of people. All right, let's go to the next one. Patriots at Jaguars. This is the first time that the Patriots have been like an underdog in forever. Um, is this also the first time that uh, Blake Bortles has been a favorite? <laughs> no, his defense can carry him. <laughs> let's let's talk about it. We're going to start with the Patriots. Um, you know, obviously they're not happy with their wide receiver situation. Just signed uh, Corey Coleman today. Uh, everyone was thinking that maybe Cordell Patterson or Philip Dorsett were going to be uh, anything worthwhile. Probably not happening. Hogan, 
I disagree. Ranked, I disagree. Ranked wide receiver on the team. What do you have? One target or one catch? One one catch, but I'll, I'll disagree. It's, it's Stags is because I like Philip Dorsett. I'm not saying I don't like him, but they obviously aren't feeling like he's going to get him back to, to a Super Bowl as they expect. Why? Because they signed Corey Coleman. Uh, you, you, uh, yeah, because they're moving around. They signed. They signed two guys. They, they keep cutting and signing people like every week. If, if the league is going to continue, it's like a cattle call. Um, it's like a serious cattle call. There, they're not. They're not feeling good about anything. If the league is going to continue to let the Patriots pick up first round wide receiver prospects for free, try them out for a few weeks. Uh, and then just cut them when they don't play them. Who cares? Like maybe something eventually clicks here. But you know, we sort of saw Philip Dorsett click. He caught all seven of his targets, uh, got sixty-six yards and a touchdown, uh, and he plays this game sort of similarly to Brandon Cooks. Uh, so when there's opportunities to go down the field, uh, he's going to be a major player. And, and then they're going to get Edelman back. You know, in in three weeks now, get him back in week five. Uh, and then the offense is going to be fine. And you've still got Rob Gronkowski, who might be one of the, you know, deepest targeted tight ends I've ever seen and is really their wide receiver one. So they're just looking for depth wide receivers, uh, guys who can make an impact in a bunch, a bunch of different ways. And, and now the question is, can a guy like Corey Coleman come in more in the offense after getting cut by fucking Buffalo? No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, all right. Yeah. Houdini, got anything else on that one? Well, no. The other thing, too, is as long as Sony Michelle is not on the field, I think you can feel comfortable playing James White. Um, you know, once Sony comes back, I think that that's really going to uh, eat into, you know, what James White production is. And his production is as a, uh, as a, as a receiver. So, um, I mean, he got uh, the touchdown this week, got nine targets, only got four catches. Uh, 38 yards and then give you 18 on the, on the ground. So, um, but don't think that like, if you're looking at James white available in some leagues, it's a great fill in right now, but once Michelle comes back, I, I really think that, uh, you know, you're going to see that get eaten into a lot. I, I told you I've disagreed with you on this all off season. James white is who he is. Like he's never losing his role. He's the Kevin folk of the offense. Uh, the guy who is going to take the hit is, you know, Rex Burkhead. He's going to be more of a primary runner than he is a receiver. Is he going to get a chance this year? It just seems like it. Yeah, I mean, without Jeremy Hill, you know, you're signing Kenyon Barner, who's a special teams player. They're eventually going to get Sony Michelle back in the mix, and it's going to be, you know, within the next two weeks to a month. Uh, and when he is, their offense is sort of going to be at full strength when they, once they get Edelman back. And they've obviously got plans for how they want to use Sony Michelle, or else they wouldn't have drafted him in the first round. I agree with that. All right, let's go to the other side. Fournette has a hamstring injury. Um, are you guys sold on TJ Eldon? Is uh, Fournette playing and he's just going to be doing what he kind of has always done, both at LSU and even last year? Uh just kind of playing injured? What do you think? Yeah, I think he's playing injured against the Patriots. Uh, I don't think this is a game you want him to miss. Uh, 
I, I think if you had the opportunity to bring Leonard Fournette back last week, he probably would have. Uh, but you're thinking about this week two matchup against the Patriots. So uh, that that's my thoughts on it. I think he'll be back out through it. And he's sort of a difference maker. You saw what he did early in that game uh, against uh, you know the defense. He was able to do it as a pass catcher as well. You know, having three catches and limited snaps. So I'm not really worried about you know Leonard Fournette. I, I do think he'll be out there sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I my my concern is it's a hamstring injury, and as we know, these soft tissue injuries, these are the ones that nag on, and uh, as soon as you think you're hitting your stride, it uh, it comes up to bite you again. So, um, you know, it, it, and if that's the case, then it's it's T.J. Yeldon, and, and and again with T.J. Yeldon, it's it's nothing that it's 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 exciting, and you know what you're going to get out of him. You're going to get kind of a uh, Isaiah Crowell Jr. Uh, who catches the ball a bit more. Um, is kind of how I look at it. So yeah. the, the guy not- that, that I think was interesting in, in this week, though, um, the leader for targets and as uh, Bortles spread the ball around, but with D.D. Westbrook led the, led the way with six targets, uh, caught uh, f- five of them for 51 yards. You know, he's he, he's kind of that X factor. You know, we know what uh, Keelan Cole is going to be more of uh, the guy, guy to stretch the field, and uh, Westbrook is going to be the guy that you're going to kind of have to move around and, and such. And so against New England, uh, I, I kind of feel like uh, Westbrook will be the guy that might get more more work. I agree with you. Uh, what, I, what I also am worried about, though, is the Patriots. We know what the Patriots' game plan is, right? Take away the thing they do best and make them beat you in another way. Uh, we sort of saw that in the playoffs, uh, you know, trying to take Leonard Fournette out of the game. But that game was close. Uh, are they going to be able to take Leonard Fournette in the run game out uh, and then make Blake Bortles beat you? Uh, and, and you got to remember, you know, Blake Bortles is good with his legs. Um, he added a big run there, um, you know, in week one. So, you know, they need these receivers to really step up against the Patriots because I do think they're going to be loading the box uh, and making them sort of distribute the ball to all these guys in order to beat them. The last of the afternoon games, the Raiders at the Broncos. Boom, baby. What's going to happen there? The Raiders looked real strong on that first drive. Chucky, everyone fired up. And then it kind of went as we all expected it would. Is this the norm, or can the Raiders get it done in uh, this matchup against the Broncos? This is a tough matchup for them. I mean, look, the the worst part about it is that what do we see out of their wide receivers? It was it, it wasn't their wide receivers. It was Jared Cook who was the main man. Nine catches for 180 yards on 12 targets, and you got uh, Jordy Nelson. Uh, targeted four times, comes away with three catches for 23 yards. Amari Cooper, um, I'm going to throw the ball to Amari uh, more than anything, gets three targets, one catch, nine yards. Um, That's a problem. Uh, The other problem is the fact that the running game really doesn't have anything dynamic in it. The most dynamic player is is your receiving back and Jalen Richard. So I don't understand – what Gruden was was looking at uh, this 
team as it's constructed right now, uh, having to go on the road into Denver, um, good luck. This is not going to be a good week for these guys. And I, I'm an Amari Cooper owner in the league. He's on the bench for me this week. Really? Yep. I got Kenny. Here, here, I, got, I got Kenny Galladay going in instead of him. All right. Here's my thought. Gruden is trying to, you know, use the Belichick mindset. Let's not do what the defense is best at, and let's attack them in other ways. So they're, they used a lot of isolation trying to get Jared Cook on linebackers and safeties, and it worked for a majority of the game. I mean, he set the franchise record for uh, receiving by a tight end, uh, and that was awesome. But they completely ignored the wide receiver position, uh, and it's because they have guys like Marcus Peters and Akeem Tlaib and LaMarcus Joyner playing defensive back. So now you go into Denver that no longer has a key to leave. Um, and, and, you know, Chris Harris just got toasted by Tyler Lockett uh, last week. And, you know, how that sort of shook out. I, I see the wide receivers being a little bit more active. Is this going to be the best game of the season for their wide receivers this year? It is not. But I'm more worried about, you know, the guys playing in the slot uh, with Chris Harris um, you know, Roby looks like he's a little bit exploitable, but it all depends on if this line can give, um, you know, Derek Carr some time. Cause when he had pressure in his face, that's when things just blew up. Right. Um, that's when he threw the pick sixes and that's when he threw all those interceptions. Uh, and, and against Von Miller, who was a one man wrecking crew. Uh, I don't know. That's the toughest part of the game, but I do think the wide receivers are going to be more involved this week. Uh, I do, you know, but I'm basing that on the basis of three targets, you know. But, but Stacks, and I know you've always been the least uh, a fan of Derek Carr and me and Houdini a few years ago were all on him. It looks like he kind of loses his mind and just start, goes willy-nilly in, in the middle of games. And that was, that was it's going to happen in this one. Is Derek Carr basically just like I mean, it's it's very problematic, right? Obviously, he's a league of receivers. We know that Cook had a great matchup, and they they exploited that. But are, Derek the matchup's equally the matchups equally as good for Jared Cook this week. Uh, you know, Will Disley going over a hundred yards against Denver last week. Uh, that's got to be exciting for a Jared Cook owner who, you know, is either picking him up off the waiver wire or maybe elevating him to the starting lineup. So I, I do think Jared Cook deserves to be in lineups after that showing. Yeah, he has had these week one blowups before, but the game plan is going to change from week to week with these guys for me. Um, you know, I, I really think Gruden's trying to attack weak spots, and he may have overdid it. <laughs> Let's go to the Broncos. Broncos. Houdini, what do you got for us? Well, so, you know, you had a, uh, uh, as far as Case Keenum is concerned, kind of an up and down game because he had the three touchdowns but also uh, was picked three times. Um, The thing that was interesting uh, was with the running backs because uh, Royce Freeman uh, is the guy that we we expected to come out and, and to see carrying the rock and, and then we knew about Devontae Booker 
Uh, and all of a sudden, here comes Philip Lindsay. And so b- both Freeman and Lindsay end up with uh, 15 rush attempts each, and they each end up with 71 yards. Uh, and then Lindsay uh, was actually the only one that was targeted in, in the uh, passing game uh, between him and Freeman and had two receptions for 31 yards, including a, a 29-yarder and a touchdown. So, um, And then you look at the receivers, Sanders and Demarius. I think they're extremely happy to not have Trevor Simeon and to have Case Keenum there because here's at least a guy that can throw the ball down the field and has more of at least an idea of what he wants to do, even if he doesn't look perfect all the time. And and then we started to see that Cortland Sutton is going to get involved, uh, but it's not going to be at the level of an Emmanuel Sanders or a Demarius Thomas. But he's a great guy to also to kind of maybe think of on the waiver wire because, hey, look, you know both those guys have been healthy, but if anything were to happen to them, he automatically becomes a guy that's going to see a double amount of targets. Uh, and, uh, and, and then this week, you know, facing the, the Raiders, I, I think, uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders, uh, has another opportunity to have another hundred yard game. I'll step out on that one. What do you say, Stags? I, I think you like both of the receivers. You like Demarius Thomas and you like Emmanuel Sanders and, uh, you know, what we saw from the Oakland defense uh, seems like they're in a big rebuild back there. They've got question marks all over the field. Uh, so, you know, Case Keenum's in streaming consideration. Uh, I think he ranks, you know, quarterback 18 uh, for Wheeler and I this week. Uh, but, you know, in, in deeper leagues, he's a guy you could stream because he's got a nice little schedule over the first, you know, three to four weeks. Uh, and all he's really doing is playing point guard, you know? He's just getting the balls out to the guys to make plays. And right now he's got an array of pass catchers that's great. Uh, Philip Lindsay, you know, it looks like he's probably going to overtake Devontae Booker uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, so that's exciting. So if you're adding him, you're maybe not adding him for the 15 carries he had in week one, but maybe he becomes their satellite back, third down back that gets used a lot more uh, in, in pass catching situations and still has, you know, a, a little bit of, you know, run game success. Absolutely. Nice. So if you've got, if you've got a Dorsey and um, you already had a, a, a Royce Freeman, is that a good handcuff? It, I, no, if you have Royce Freeman, I think like he's the complimentary player. Like, he's going to be the pass catcher. He's going to take away in some situations, but if Royce Freeman were to be injured, Devonte Booker's the guy who sees the largest uptick. Okay. There you go. That's all I was asking. Cool. Uh, Giants at the Cowboys. Let's say both these, uh, I'm not going to say a word. Go on. Cowboys look garbage. Maybe the Giants didn't look amazing. Houdini. Anything you see with the Giants' current situation with an Eli Manning against Cowboys that they can exploit? ODB? Well, I, 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 of course there are things that, that, they, that they can exploit. You know, I think one of the things that we, that we saw was they have to be committed and happy with Saquon Barkley at this point in time. You know, so Barkley uh, – 
was kind of bottled up for, for a good portion of the game. But again, remember what defense that he was going up against. So when you're going up against the Jaguars and then he busts off the, 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 the big 68 yard touchdown run against him, uh, that's going to make you feel great. He ran for over a hundred yards. Did anyone, I, I don't even know, but I, I, was it only like one rusher that ran for over a hundred yards against Jacksonville last year? Uh, if any, so, you know, that's encouraging. Uh, you still have your skill players with Ingram and, uh, and, and uh, alongside of ODB, but wow, having Saquon Barkley, what did that do for Odell Beckham, who, who goes over 100 yards with 11 catches in week one against, uh, again, uh, Jalen Ramsey and one of the, the best uh, def- defenses that's out there. So, yeah, look, they're putting all their chips on the table. They're in a division where... Uh, it's it's gettable right now, right? Because even though the Eagles are the defending champs, they don't look, they look like trash uh, uh, with uh, with Nick Foles at quarterback. And Dallas, we'll talk about them. They look even worse. And Washington may be the the, the team that that it, that they're, they're vying for is the ones to unseat the the Eagles here. So um, look. You have enough of the, the – and, again, this is an offense where you know where the points are coming from fantasy-wise. You know, uh, you're going to come from uh, Evan Ingram, Odell Beckham, and Saquon Barkley. That, that's where you're going to get your, your bulk of your points from. And, uh, and Eli, you know, he'll still have a couple big games in him, but I wouldn't really look at him as a strong streaming option. Can I ask you a quick question, guys? Um, so from one of my favorite people ever, Damian Castillo Toledo – is asking us a question right now on Facebook. I was offered Galladay, Rand Rudolph, and Amari Cooper for AJ Green. I need a t- tight end since Olsen is out. Thoughts? Do you guys trade Galladay, Rudolph, and Amari for AJ Green? I don't. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, so he's getting he's trading three. He's he's trading A.J. Green away because he needs a tight end with Olsen out. And he gets Galladay, Rudolph, and Cooper for one, three for one. I don't know the rest of his bench, but just got this on Facebook. I'm sitting here and the Liggity Alert popped up. Thought I'd throw it out to you. Well, here would be my my question. Listen to the show. It sounds to me like it's a, it's a, it's a, not like it's an unfair offer by any stretch of the imagination. Agreed. Agreed. The, 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 the thing to me is, is this a 10-team league or is this a 12 or a 14-team league? If it's a 10-team league and everyone's got a stacked lineup, then there's also guys you can maybe be able to pick up. If it's a 12 to 14-team league, then I would maybe do it just because that's it's a lot 10, of value. Because and... I'm looking at his draft board that he had in the previous 10-team. I'm not as I'm not as high on it as I am if it's a twelve team league. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? I think I think you can find guys to stream well enough at tight end to not take that offer. Uh, but if you're you know super intrigued by the upside of Galladay, I'm sitting here scratching my head thinking about it right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I for sure agree with that. All right, well said, well done. Um, we're going to the net, the Cowboys go to the Cowboys side of that game. It's going to be a good game. Giants Cowboys. Wow. 
Sunday Night Football. Uh, talk to us, stag parties. I'm gonna. I'll respond to DCT. Yeah. Um, so the Cowboys defense hasn't allowed you know over 20 points uh, in the last couple games, and they've allowed it just once over the last six games. So they're not you know this give it up defense and then they play the style of offense that's slow and it slows the game down. But, you know, I, I still think Odell's going to do really well here. I don't think they ha- have a corner who can match up with them. Um, you know, Saquon, I think you're starting him. The question is for me, Shepard, uh, I'm definitely staying away from Shepard for right now until I see a little bit more usage. But I, I think you're also probably plugging in Evan Ingram this week, uh, giving it another run. Um, and now, you know, flipping over to the Cowboys side, Ezekiel Elliott and no one? You know, maybe maybe Dak Prescott? Maybe uh, Cole Beasley? Maybe you want a guy who's going to give you four, four for 50, five for 50, six, six catches, but – you know, that's not a guy I'm you know, completely trusting. But, you know, they scored 30 points. Uh, the Cowboys did the last time these two teams played. Dak Prescott was 20 of 30 for 332 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, it was a game played with that was Ezekiel Elliott. Rod Smith had five catches for 113. Dez, he had a long catch of 81. Dez had a 50-yard catch. Cole Beasley had a 55 55- 54-yard catch, which if I had to put money on it, it'd probably be the longest of his career. So I don't see a you know opportunity for that game to repeat itself. Um, and I do think the the uh, the I don't know. Dax Dax the most confusing guy for me, um, just because I. I'm probably not starting him, but I can see him having sort of a nice game. I don't know. It's like, to me, he just, he seemed to have no confidence at all in, in that uh, last game. You know, the, the. Have you seen it either? Uh, just like the unwillingness to, to, uh, to throw the ball down the field and to, to really take chances. It's like, I don't know. And you got, you got Ezekiel Elliott, who is the ultimate weapon in play action pass. It, I don't think one game makes a season, but of all the actual potential powerhouse teams and a guy that was a top four or five pick in Ezekiel Elliott at running back, that's one of the big uh, question marks and in, in red flags right now for owners. Like, is this, is this Dallas team crap? Is Dak not um, not really an elite, even a, a top 20 quarterback. Is this offensive line, which three years ago was the Cats Meow, and they got uh, Ezekiel Elliott, not the same one and tr- problematic. I think all those questions were, are uh, in play, and I'm, I'd be nervous even if I had Elliott. I, I'd be nervous on that team, full on, full on. Yeah, I, I am nervous. I do think Dak's going to end up finishing higher than he should because he's going to score these rushing touchdowns that are hard to predict, but you're not going to want to start him very many weeks. 
we've got to see that wide receiver core shake out. They've got to have a player who's, you know, semi-explosive to give us any sort of excitement about that offense, right? Is Yeah, of course. But is there one? Or is there one there? I don't think so. Yeah, that, that's a problem. That's why it's troublesome for for just anything Dallas right now. There's there's nothing in the wide receiver, tight end. There's nothing besides Elliott that seems sturdy. And that includes the, the guy uh, fucking grabbing the ball out of the out of the uh, center's ass in Dak. He he just looks he looks garbage. I thought he was just like such a beast, and he's kind of one of my best friends that actually is a huge Dallas fan. He's like Dak sucks. Dak sucks. I'm like he doesn't suck. And I'm starting to like look at him like he might suck. <laughs> He might not be that good. Um, you right. Is your friend Colin Cowherd? No, it's not. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jake Ruiz, who is over at uh, that Dallas, uh, that Dallas bar over in uh, in Roscoe Village. What's it called? Every friggin' week, and these Cowboy fans were so pumped three years ago, two years ago, and their their energy is getting drained and drained and drained and I think it really becomes it's a, it's a part of two things obviously Dak but they hate the head coach the head coach oh, that- if I was going to say a head coach that is fired by week six fully uh, fully think feeling like Ginger's gone fair enough I don't disagree with that I don't either but I'm amazed that he's held on to his job as long as he has him and Marvin Lewis got a, a golden horseshoe up their ass Garrett, wow. Good luck. All right, anything else in this Giants-Cowboys games? We're moving to the last Monday, Monday, Monday against the Bears in Chi-Town. Everybody going? I'll be there. I'm not going. I'm going to be in Michigan, but I'm if I'm not in Michigan, I'm going. Are you going, Stags? No shot. You're I'll going there? there. I'll be I'll be there, and then I'll be in Arizona the week after to see the Bears play uh, the Cardinals. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, so we'll start with the Seahawks. You know, Russell Wilson just continues to you know do a lot of things on his own. The offensive line still looks awful. The run game had its struggles, uh, especially when Rashad Penny was in. Um, you know, losing Doug Baldwin probably for the next. You know, month of the season or so, maybe it ends up shorter. Maybe it's only two to three. But you know, even a hampered Doug Baldwin, that's not great. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett's expected to play the majority of the slot snaps, so he should have a pretty good matchup against the Bears cornerbacks. Uh, probably going up against Bryce Callahan for a majority of the game. Brandon Marshall revenge game, so that's fun. Um, and then. You know, the rest of the wide receiver core and tight end crew, I don't know if you can go out and sleep uh, after week one. And, you know, the probably the Bears' best corner uh, uh, cover linebacker, Rokon, that should be more involved in the defense this week. Um, you know, against that line, I worry about Russell Wilson going against, you know, Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd uh, and company. It looks like a tough, tough matchup. 
for that offensive line. Yeah, well, they they gave up the six sacks last week. Uh, Russell Wilson, I think, uh, at least over the last two two years uh, or, or or three, has been sacked more than anybody. Um, and I think you can you can credit that to the fact that Andrew Luck didn't play last year. Um, but uh, those two guys, he just he, the line. He's always on the run, so. Um, I think this one, especially with now Khalil Mack also having a, a, another full week, not just uh, coming in, you could tell that he was uh, exhausted in the second half of that game. He'll be better conditioned for this one. Uh, Russell Wilson's going to be kind of running, a little bit running crazy uh, for his life in this one. Uh, but that being said, he still finds a way to extend plays and 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 to put and to put up some big numbers. So. I still peg him probably close and throw him for uh, uh, around 300 yards in this game. Yeah, it's hard to project anything else. Uh, the question is just how you allocate it to the to the weapons because it's a very unclear sort of depth chart um, in terms of pass catchers. Uh, even you know at running back, it's a little bit unclear. Is Rashad Penny and Chris Carson split the snaps, but then? You know, uh, Pete Carroll's coming out and saying that Carson's the man. You know, he established himself, but it didn't really look like they agreed as the game went on. So it's a tough, uh, tough projection there. Yeah, I'd say this is one of those games where you'll start Russell Wilson. Um, and I think everybody else, you, you know, maybe if you if you're a Carson owner, if, unless you have a you know, a better option there. Um, I, I think this is maybe a better week to take a wait and see approach. Yeah. Let's go over to the Bears side. Obviously, tragedy uh, in Sunday night's game. Uh, is this going to be hopefully our team taking it out, whipping post style? That's my dog uh, grabbing a bone in the background. I had to let her out. She was scratching. Um, are the Bears going to be able to pull this one out uh, against the Seahawks? And if so, how offensively does that happen? And where do the fantasy points come from? Uh, Houdini started out. Your thoughts? And then we're going to shut this party down. Good times all around. Week two matchups. Uh, Dini, what are your thoughts? How can the Bears penetrate and kick the shit out of the Seahawks? Well, one of the first things that you have to do is is the, is the thing that worked the best last game, which was the thing that's worked the best since he's been on the team, and that's Jordan Howard. Um, you know, they were effectively able to run the ball inside inside the tackles, and uh, that's what I think you need to do to start, and then work everything off of there. Uh, I think we saw some glimpses of what this offense can be, uh, but at the same time. We also saw some of the the inconsistencies and some bad decision making, and not necessarily taking as many chances as uh, as we'd like to see. You know, when you talk about Patrick Mahomes and, and look at the difference between him and Trubisky, uh, he only completes 15 passes and goes for uh, you know close to 300 yards, and, and here's Trubisky completing 23 passes for 171 yards. So um, that that's those are the things that I think are are concerning. They did a good job of, of really spreading the ball out uh, to, to many receivers, you know, from, and, and even seeing, holy crap, Jordan Howard, again, as a receiver, uh, targeted five times, called all five, but uh, they had, uh, was it three, four, eight or eight different uh, 
players catch a ball. So you have all the makings of, of what can be. Sorry to interrupt you, but my brother. The eye test with Howard catching the ball was phenomenal. Would you not agree? Like he, there were a couple. There were a couple targets that were catching him. It just felt like Howard. Like all right, he's working on it. He wants to get that catches down. He wants to be that third down back eligible type of player. He can catch. I love seeing that. Yeah, no, and and there were a couple high quality catches as far as like zinged in passes that he that he showed some really nice hands with. But the other thing was we saw a couple of jump balls thrown toward Ellen Robinson, but where are the big deep shot plays? And I think that's that's what they need to do in order to also make defenses kind of push back a little bit. And so uh, you know, again, we're we're at the very inception of what the Bears offense is going to look like. Uh, it's one of these things right now who do I feel comfortable starting? Jordan Howard. I can start Tariq Cohen in PPR leagues as a flex type player. Alan Robinson, uh, I'll look at as a wide receiver two, wide receiver two flex. Um, and then Trey Burton, th- this is the guy that was really supposed to make a major impact, targeted six times, only got one catch for 15 yards. I'll still trust him for another week, but you know, you need to start seeing some uh, some more production out of that tight end that you paid a lot of money to. Did you see the highlights, low lights of Trey Burton standing alone in the end zone and Mitch Trubisky just not letting it rip? Yeah, I did. But then they also showed the the play. I saw like a whole thing and they showed like the play in real time and the way when he wasn't actually looking at him right away when his arms were up. So it was like, it was quick and I can, I can, I can understand the miss, but it's, it's bad when you see that picture. <laughs> the picture makes it look worse than it actually is, but it's still a throw that's open. That's a giant hole in the red zone that you never see. So we've got a, you know, his willingness to throw into deep coverage and throw into tight windows just ha- hasn't seemed to be there just yet. Um, it's something that we've really got to see develop here over the next, you know, couple weeks. Because it's time to stop grading this guy like like he's a rookie and you know only had twelve starts in college. Blah blah blah. We just gotta move past this because you know guys like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have looked better you know to start their careers. No question about it. Absolutely. Uh, go for it, Dini. Oh, I just said absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, talking about the other players, I agree with your assessments. I, I do think, you know, Trey Burton against the Seahawks, uh, you know, is worth a look. Uh, you know, other than that, Taylor Gabriel looks clearly ahead of um, – looked clearly ahead of uh, – um, So that was something that was a little bit, you know, surprising. I thought they'd use him clearly as the wide receiver too, but that didn't happen. Um also, you know, the last couple of games that Matt Nagy's called plates for, he sort of let big leads go late in the game. He's got to clean that up. But overall, it was a good first half, bad second half. And, you know, anybody who's still complaining about Khalil Mack being worth two uh, first-round picks that doesn't look right. You are incorrect, sir. Although the one thing I did like seeing was um... – I will say Chucky, uh, before the last night's game, 
was just like, you know what? He was under contract. He was making some good money. We were trying to talk to him and figure out a way to get him. He obviously, he didn't come to any of the OTAs, nothing. He didn't want to play here. I had to get rid of him. I want to, I, I want to deal with people that want to play here. And that was the first time um, I was listening I was, and thinking, you know what, Gruden's not an idiot. That makes sense. You're coming in and you're trying to build a new culture, you're trying to get things going. The most undermining thing in the world, and this is the only way that I would ever, like, back up Gruden trading a Hall of Famer for two first-rounders that aren't going to equal to Mac, even if they're awesome and awesome. Uh, but that made a lot of sense. You know, it's like, hey, I'm, he doesn't want to be here. He's under contract. If you're under contract, you'll be here. If you don't want, then, then we're going to have to get rid of you. That made yeah. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. All right. We're, we've had enough late night, Phil. Uh, anyone else got anything for the Bears? No. Go Bears. Go no. Bears. Houdini, have a blast at the frigging game this, uh, on Monday. Will do, for yeah. sure. I'll throw, I'll throw back a few Valverde's. Valverde's, fired up. Stag party, nice work all around. Um, damn, week two, we kept this thing. We kept the, kept this thing under three hours, barely. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> hold on, what we're gonna do even before this is give it. And I, I love you, fellas. You don't even have to say anything after this. But we're gonna get one last shot at keeping the lights on. Holla for a dollar. <laughs> 